Patricia, my darling Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia. You could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Oh, Patricia, my darling, Patricia, I can see all my dreams in your eyes. Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day. You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies. Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling. Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love with you. Patricia, my lovely Patricia, you could make all my dreaming come true. My heart is just drooling, Patricia, no fooling. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. I'm falling in love. stretched. <laughs> That's where I was. Sure, you do anything you want. Want me to hang up? No, no. Okay. Oh, it's me. <laughs> uh-huh. Hello, Walden. Hello, everybody, and happy Saturday, and we're having, thanks, not Thanksgiving, Halloween this week, so we're going to have Halloween stuff. So there. Now, I'm, 
Yeah, well, but just just one caution for our listeners. You'll not be able to grow your own in three weeks. <laughs> It'll take a little bit longer than that, but you'll enjoy him. You can plan ahead. <laughs> Wasn't that fun? Yes. That was that was fun. That was fun. I really had a good time. And um, the person we talked with is Michael Quinn, and he has a 400 tree Christmas farm. And what stunned me, I'm sorry for for giving away our our interview. I was absolutely stunned. He grows 400 trees on one third of an acre. One third of an acre is the size of um, a small house. You know the lot that a small house is on. It's, it's amazing. So, so anyway, I'm sorry for interrupting. I just it just made my my head go. What? <laughs> How can you do that? It was fun. It really was. Yeah. Bet it would be a full boat. It's, hmm. it's 18 boats. 18 boats. Okay, so 18 times. How many people fit on a boat? I'll say 800 per boat. It's a small. It's a small boat. So it's a little over 200 a boat. Oh wow! Oh my goodness! That's 3,600 people. Now, you said 18 boats. They don't all go out at the same time, I guess. I guess during probably over a two-week period or something, you know. Oh, okay. So they might have four boats going out a million times. How much fun is that? How come we can't have one here? Why not? Nobody knows about a cinnamon bear. I bet they do. I bet they do. I bet. Yes, that the African Queen yes. with Humphrey Bogart, and who knows if it survived the hurricane that came right up the Keys. Oh, indeed, uh, and it wouldn't even be a cruise. <laughs> I, just, I looked at it and I thought, 
this is like a big canoe. <laughs> I mean, it really is quite a small boat. And the former owner of the Holiday Inn, which is where it was moored, was the one who rescued it. They put it on the junk pile out in Hollywood. Can you imagine? And um, someone, a friend called him and said, this is what's happening. He said, I'll be right out. And he rescued it from the junk pile. And um, it, 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 when I saw it, it was so small. I don't think they could fit more than, oh, silly me, I'll say eight people, maybe ten. That's how small it was. Yeah. So they they would be booked until the year 3,922, I think, <laughs> assuming we survive that long. But, uh, you know, it's happy to plan ahead. It's good to plan ahead. Well, I given the, the other famous Humphrey Bogart movie was shot down in, in the Florida, oh, gosh, the one in the late 40s. Oh, that, oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, aww, I can't remember. And he, he was Rick. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, oh. I know what that is because yeah. I listen to the radio show. Yeah, but even if they did, I can guarantee with the bulldozers that have been traveling through the state since the 1920s have probably <laughs> torn that down and used it for, for picnics. <laughs> it's just terrible. Well, it's just you, awful. You know, folks, if you ever, if you're a big movie fan, you know the famous movie of the late fifties, Some Like It Hot, with Tony. Mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe, yeah. That was shot at the Hotel Coronado in San Diego, which is a famous hotel. That's famous. It's even haunted. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So at the Del Coronado, it is. If if you don't own half of a state you can't stay there <laughs> it's so expensive and but i guess it's a lot of fun they do a lot of activities with their guests and the rooms are just magnificent so you you want to go stay there oh you have no. well you're I, well you've driven by it that's what i mean and so you know precisely where it is and you can make reservations. And my California client, bless his heart, I haven't even been able to contact him. My California client is married to a woman who has been, probably for a second time, the uh, planning director in the Del Coronado. So maybe, maybe I could call her and say, would you plan something for us? Wouldn't that be wonderful? She's really a nice lady. Oh, wouldn't that be good? You know, it's it's Marcel's wife. Yeah. Marcel was with us, yes, for Christmas, yes, a while back. So maybe Jill could be with us. Oh, that would be fun. That would be fun. Oh, a jeweler, yeah. Okay. 
most interesting to talk about the Elizabeth Taylor dual issue. Oh, my goodness, yes. Oh, what fun. Wow. You had to kill a king for that. Or a queen, depending. I mean, if it was Henry VIII, I wouldn't dare go near him because he had a lot of people who, whom he did not like, and then they died. <laughs> you know? I mean, really spooky stuff. Anyway. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Really? Well, we have a we have a lot of upset people out there tonight, don't we? <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, this is hearsay, folks. This is hearsay. <laughs> oh my goodness! What a what a thing to! Huh, I'm, oh, there goes my little heart. Pity pat, pity pat, pity pat. Oh my goodness! So what was what was the? I, oh my! What was the rest of the talk? Also explains um, if you think your diamond is going to stay in a fireproof safe at your house, it'll only survive 30 minutes. In a fireproof safe? Yes. Because Holy cats! Yeah, he was showing diamond pictures of diamond that the sparkle and things have disappeared. After being oh my goodness! I had no. Well, I never you know they they come from from, uh, you know, coal and slate and, you know, those kinds of, and that burns. Yep. Why wouldn't a diamond be affected? Wow. We have a lot of unhappy people tonight. <laughs> Go to bed with your jewels. And if you run, they'll come with you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, then. I, I apologize to our family if this affects anyone out there. We will apologize to that person. Now, I always love the apologies on the air and especially officials on television. If I offended anyone, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Not I'm sorry, it never should have been said, and I hope nobody was offended, but I apologize for saying it. They say if I offended anybody, everybody else can go poop. You know? <laughs> If I recall. Mm -hmm. yeah, if I recall. This is hearsay, folks. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, if I recall. <laughs> or, I yes. Don't, I don't recall. But, you know, they're little prepositional phrases. Okay. You know, very interesting. Uh huh. So, if you recall, go ahead. That's it. You know, you remember the when somebody hung the, especially when you see the congressional hearing and they got somebody on the witness stand, they all yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's their time to shine. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. You're. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for you to give me <laughs> the law that they were voting on. Listen, while while we're talking, can we open the call line? And oh, they did. Okay, and you're going to tell them about Jim, right? And then we can go to the callers. Yeah, yeah. 
Jim has waited for a long time to be able to give this to us, so Jim will be with us later, and that'll be nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. What? Hmm. Okay. Hello, guys. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Good, good. Hi, Paul. It's Patricia here. Yes, it's so good to hear you, Patricia. Are you home? Oh, thank you. Hmm? Are you home? No. <laughs> I'm cleaning out my apartment. No, I'm I'm not going there for a long time. Okay, you're cleaning it out because you're going to find a single-story place to live? Well, I'm I'm cleaning it out because I don't know where I'm going, but my lease ends at the end of November and there's no way I would renew it for 12 months not knowing, you know, how my how I'm going and what I'm going to be doing, but I will have um oh, I shouldn't <laughs> I'm just cleaning out my apartment, and I'm amazed at how much I accumulated without taking up a lot of space. Isn't that remarkable? You know how to pack. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah, right. I can pack a whole bunch of stuff. But I do have someone coming, one of the people I met here who is just delightful. You know, she's one of the, the employees. And she said, what, what are you moving? I said, well, the first thing I'd like to is um, a really big futon. She said, futon, can I have it? <laughs> So we started with that, and she came by the apartment, and she said, is that one available? Is that available? So a lot of the really big stuff is out, and I'm so pleased about that. Or it will be out, you know, within the next couple of weeks. So anyway, that's my saga, and that's my story, and how are you doing? Well, my wife's on her 10-day vacation in Oregon, and so... Oh, my goodness. Uh, yes. That's what she has to help her be sane for the rest of the year. <laughs> well, maybe, she, maybe she wants to take the Salmon Bear Cruise in Oregon. She would. <laughs> she would. She um, oh, she would. Oh, I thought you said she was. And I thought, oh, no, no, oh, no, she would. We actually, yeah. Years ago, when we were up there, we went on a um, a train ride. Where uh-huh. there's um, you know, like a murder taking place. Oh, yeah. oh yes, yes, and, yes. And they had the characters, whatnot. It was a western. Mm-hmm. And that was you had to figure out during it. your meal. Yeah, you had to figure out who done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was extremely beautiful outside, as we went along these uh-huh. nice lush green pastures with hillsides around them, mountains and. Oh, that's, that up. sounds really nice. Sounds really nice. Farm. Paul, we're, Paul we're, go, we're going to make really short calls for the next half hour or so, and then when Jim is giving us his book report, you can also call back in and talk with Jim and us at that time. Would okay. that be okay? Yes. What What is the book? Just tell me that. I don't know yet. I don't, I don't know yet. Oh. <laughs> Jim, is going, Jim picks out the really great books, and I'd love to hear about them, and even he will yeah, be he does cutting his he does a good job. He does. Yeah, he he does. Chris, so, you sound great. She does sound great tonight. Oh, thank you. Yes, you sound great. Okay, I, well, you, I'm glad I was able to call and get through to you. Thank you, Paul. I haven't talked to either one of you for a while. I know. For a long time, yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe we can talk to you later. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you. Okay. Okay. All righty. Good night. Good thank night, you, everybody. Paul.
Oh, that's cute. This is not a long distance run. This is a sprint. <laughs> Harwood, how are you? And thank you for your email. I think it came yesterday, right? Or maybe the day before? Uh, but anyway, been a day you were asking. I hope you have a you, chance to look at them. I did. A chance to look at your email? I did. No, I meant um, to look at the books. Oh, no, I haven't been out there yet. I've, I've sort of been busy. <laughs> oh, that's okay about that. I'm just glad you yeah. got it. Walden missed oh, yes, an opportunity a while ago, and I thought, sure, you would catch it about the tour with the bear. Uh-huh. What do you no, I, I don't, I don't uh, think I got that one. Well, about the cruise thing, about the, uh, what, cinnamon bear cruise? Uh-huh. Your, your golden opportunity was they brought the bear on the boat. Oh, yes, 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 I did see that. And all the, all the, all the people jumped in the river? Uh-huh. Yeah, I did see that. That was cute. Well, any, anyway, I, I think Walden really missed that when he was talking about the, the Cinnamon Bear cruise. Yeah. I really expected him to say when they brought the bear on the boat, all the passengers mm-hmm. jumped in the river. Hmm. But but he didn't say that. So. Well, that's cute. So how are you doing? All right, I guess. Just staying busy all the time and run down as usual, but I guess that's where life is. Yeah. Oh, wow. I oh, wow. hear you had to give up your apartment, but maybe you'll mm-hmm. find something better when you get back to it. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I cannot because I'm due at the end of the month. My lease would have been up the end of November. And there's no way that I could have afforded what they were surely going to jack it up. Last year it got jacked up $100. $100 a month is a lot of money. I have an idea for free wax, though. For what? I have an idea where you get free wax. Oh, for where? Your house. Well, yeah, of course, you can live here. <laughs> where? 1600 Pennsylvania. You know, I think I think we could run for you for that. <laughs> Listen, if he accepted me there, he wouldn't be able to find me in that place. What if they got 162 bathrooms? <laughs> yeah, but the one thing about it that's, is that's in the, they wouldn't uh, even realize you were there, so they wouldn't be charging you for That's right. That's right. As long as I hid in the shower, they'd be fine. Yeah, but what happened if you ordered food for the kitchen and you have to pay for it, right? Oh, I would just show up in my cute little waitress outfit and say, Mr. President sent me down here to test his chicken salad. What do you think? I could be the taster, the food taster for the president. Or you could claim that he had or he, he sent you for a, a, a couple of hamburgers and some french fries. Ooh, well, maybe I could and do they that. Could just, they could just disappear after you left the kitchen. <laughs> sit out in the, in the rose garden and uh, eat my sandwich. Yeah, this is pretty good. I like that. You guys keep planning for me, will you? Exactly. I won't keep as long as you know, I, I, think still, I still like the idea. I still like the idea of doing the family tour. That we can have a place to stay everywhere in the country. Do the family what? The family tour. Oh, the tour. Yeah. The tour. Yes, that would be wonderful. I can't well, drive. Have you been <laughs> yes. up to the White House yet? I can't either. So we're, we're in good shape, Patricia. What can I say? Well, yeah, you've got you've got legs that work. Yeah, but 
and I've got eyes that work. So between the two of us, uh, one of us would have to sit on the other one's lap, but that's okay. We'll get to, we'll get to design a new car. You can have the wheel and I can have the pedal. <laughs> that's, that's it. It's just breaking my heart because I'm selling my car. It hasn't been taken anywhere since May, and it's really foolish. I'm still paying for auto insurance, and that's pretty pricey. So, But I sell my car. I can drop that, and then if I get another one, and I can go back and say, would you take me back? And they probably won't. I'll probably have to go look for another insurance agency. But anyway, that's my story. I digress. And um, I didn't hear particularly how you're doing, Harwood. Uh, I, I've, I've been a lot worse, and I guess I've been better. But, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty much at it every day. We've had an awful lot of sewing to do, but... Yeah. No, nobody's buying any tower stuff, but um, we've we've had an awful lot of sewing to do, and I guess more than we've had energy to do. But we keep it up mm-hmm. the best we can. But yeah. I'm glad to see it. Uh, at least we got money coming in, pay the bills. Mhm. Yeah, I know how that feels. So, okay. Well, Harwood, thank you so much for calling and uh, for your emails. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I was going to go, but Walden, was you asking something, Walden? I was. I was asking, is it all pretty much from one client, the sewing jobs? Oh, no. Uh-huh. Um, well, we got one client that we do these panels for, and I think over the last six weeks or so, we've done 30 of those for him, but wow. had an awful lot of funeral tents in here, too, and they're from individual funeral homes. Most of them have just been, mm-hmm. you know, singles, um, most we've had from any one funeral home about four at a time. And yeah. We've had several of those, uh, that many. Mm-hmm. But And a company that makes tents out of um, Monroe, North Carolina, which is near Charlotte. Mm-hmm. They can't seem to keep up with their repairs, and they've started sending theirs in. And um, I don't know if that's good or bad, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that sounds good. You know, we're, uh, too much work is a hardship. Not enough work is dangerous. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. So. Anyway, well, doing okay. take it easy, and I um, um, hope everything does get better, Patricia. Thank you so much, Harwood. You have a good week, and happy Thanksgiving, just in case we don't get to talk to you, because you don't call in very often. No. Uh, anyway, I hope y'all have a good one, too. Thank you. Bye bye. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes indeed. At least I, I know my name now. All right. And uh, I'd like to thank Bobby Whitedale and his wife for having Bobby on last week. Oh, wasn't that fun? Oh, gosh, he was great. And I'd like to thank um, Dave Payne for putting us in touch. And Patricia found the story before I saw it that we lost Bax Domino this week. Yeah. He was 89. It's hard to, it's hard to believe that... Um, he, he had crept up on age that I've lost track of. Hello there, you're on yeah. Patricia. Hi, you two. 
Hi, I Celeste. I wanted to say hi to Patricia. I'm here. Thank you. How are you? Oh, okay. I've been in the hospital again, but I'm I'm better now. Oh, my gosh. What happened? Yeah. I'm better, and I don't have near the problems you do at this point, honey, with your place to live. I wish I... I wish I could just just reach out and give you an apartment and a place to live. Are you are you inviting uh, me? Huh? Are you inviting me? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> you know, when you make somebody laugh <laughs> like that, no, I'm not coming. I, I promise I won't be there. Oh, dear. Well, then, when you were thinking of places to go, were you thinking of Key Largo? That's right. Yeah. Isn't that it? Yes, absolutely. One of my, you know, I know all those, I I just, any time those movies are on with Bogart and Bacall, I watch them, I know all the dialogue, I know everything, and I just knew exactly what you were talking about. That one was Key Largo. Key Largo, I was thinking, I knew it there. You know, I'll give a secret, a secret away, everybody. Yeah. Here's the secret. You know, Bill and Kim have second floor. You know, they got everything downstairs. On the second floor, they watch movies. And Kim said the only thing they watch, and that's the only thing Bill wants to watch, is Humphrey Bogart movies. So probably Kim seen Key Largo. I bet so. Uh, oh, my heavens. I mean. Yeah, can you imagine? I didn't know Bill. I couldn't. I, I hear them every once in a while. I don't hear him mention it on on his show, you know. No, but I, have a I didn't know he was a big Humphrey Bogart. I have a pretty reliable source. You know, I would think my source is pretty reliable. Uh-huh. Probably Bill. <laughs> did Bill tell you? I, oh, Kim did, yes. That's a reliable source. I had a list oh, of two things uh, from a good while ago, maybe 10 years ago, and I'm cleaning all my... I have all these lists of things I always get out. And one of them was Best Movie Actor, and they had the 100 Best Movie Actors and Best Movie mm-hmm. Actresses. And I was surprised, uh, although I would agree with it at all. Who would you think the male would be? I've seen the list of Humphrey Bogart being number one. He's number one, and I thought that Spencer Tracy would be at least one or two. Hmm. Now, what was the category? Would you repeat that? Well, it, it's best movie actor over the years, you know. Best movie actor, okay. Uh-huh. Oh, gee. And oh, I, gee. I always thought, well, you know, best movie actor, that would be a real toss-up between mm-hmm. Spencer Tracy and Humphrey Bogart. Well, Humphrey Bogart was number one, and Tracy was on down at either six or eight or ten or something, mm-hmm. and I was really surprised. I wish yeah. I had that list in front of me. There are lots of surprises on it. When I get it, I'll make a copy and send it off to you. Catherine. I'm wondering, though, today's generation with their Mill Street, because he's been nominated mm. 40 times. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. And one no. more, I think. I don't know about that, Weldon. I looked at I looked at a magazine article with top performers. I didn't recognize performers, meaning actors and stage performers. I did not recognize a single name. Huh. Well, considering, I, I, to be honest with you, 
Oh, today? Yeah, today. Oh, you know, that's oh, that's yeah. really interesting. I think so, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, Walden, he's, he's the Jimmy Stewart of this generation. Well, I was going to say exactly the same thing, yeah. Yeah. Because she had she had remarried in the meantime, yes, and she chose well, to stay with she, her. You know, uh-huh. she didn't want him back, and I guess she just released her from her obligation. Yeah. But I thought, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I, it just struck me wrong. It just didn't feel right, you know. Yeah. About how tragic it was. Yeah, I saw him one time, but 
Um, I will tell everybody about that when I have it, okay? Because <laughs> oh, I really, I, I really I don't know when. This is the back, and still have a little twinge of it, but I had a good surgeon. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I'm cool on that. I'm cool on that, and I'll feel yeah, better. Well, look, I'm not going to hang on anymore because we said we'd let other people in, and I love you both. Just wanted to know about those things. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we'll have the Patricia Fund starting next year. We'll, we'll donate to the Patricia Fund. 714 <laughs> <laughs> Boy, am I going to blow you away when I accept it? John. Talking about the movies and everything, I'm, I'm a uh-huh. movie buff, and uh, I watch the old movies, and uh, I like to edit them as they go along. Mm-hmm. You'll watch them, and there'll be a scene where somebody will turn around, and it'll be a little bit different, like a man will have a kerchief in his pocket, and it'll be sep- you know, s- situated a little bit different when he... Yes, yes. Or they come come down somebody's hair onto the forehead, and when it comes back, it's on the other side. Yes. uh, But the the most drastic thing I've noticed, Mm -hmm. as you remember, they used to go riding off into the sunset. Yes. And that would be the end of the movie. Uh Uh-huh. I figured now, watching some of the new movies, the end. The (laughs) end. You know. Yes, yes. And, and I realized when they go riding off into the sunset and it fades out, mm-hmm. have a moment to feel wonderful and to have the feeling of what the movie was about. Yes. And now yes. they just say a dirty word and it's over. <laughs> I don't even watch the newer movies, but uh, talking about Tom Hanks. When uh-huh. he played, uh, I can't remember the movie, but he was, uh, uh, his uh, thoughts were bad and everything. Uh, and he was sitting on the park bench telling the story of his life to the lady. Do you remember that movie? No, I'm not much of a movie watcher, John. So when anybody like you calls in with a, with a movie story, I'm all ears. I don't know it. Oh. But, but Key Largo and uh, and uh, the Maltese Falcon with the Humphrey Bogart, I've watched a dozen times. Would it be mm-hmm. Forrest Gump? Uh, pardon? Would the Tom Hanks movie be Forrest Gump? Yes, Forrest Gump. Yeah, that's a yes. great Yeah, 
And he's the one, I remember the, the comment that people repeat all the time, life is like a box of chocolates, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. And, and another so thing that's interesting, um, uh, Clark Gable. And mm-hmm. I watched a thing on the, uh, the Internet or YouTube, and here he had a tooth infection around the time that Gone with the Wind, and he oh, had wow. teeth. And he had he had teeth. Is that what you said? Yeah, he had dentures. Oh, dentures! Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and then and, and uh, they had to lay off, you know, for a while, and uh, t- uh, you know, and it's interesting. I have a Clark Gable story. What he did the night before he went to his first movie, before he went on the set for Gone with the Wind. Oh, is that right? Yep. Uh, Dennis Devine, Andy Devine's son. He said, uh, Andy Devine and his wife were best friends with Clark Gable and Carol Lombard. And they went to celebrate because Andy got done doing a movie and Clark was going to do Gone with the Wind the next day. So they went to the Brown Derby. And Carol Lombard had a thing about affecting mothers. And, and Andy Devine's wife was expecting she knew the baby was starting to move. And so Carol Lombard stood up on the table at the Brown Derby restaurant and announced that we're moving the entire restaurant to the hospital. So they ordered six taxi cabs to take every patron, the staff, the cooks, to the hospital. And they set up a buffet table in the, in the hospital lobby while Andy Devine's son would be born, and that was that was the night Clark Gable was at the hospital waiting for Andy Devine's son to be born before he went into the movie drama. May I may I comment on that? <laughs> That's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. I have to, I mean, I mean no disrespect at all, but that's a stupid thing to do. When you got it, tons of money, it isn't. Well. I mean, you could, you could close the restaurant down and let everybody have a party until the baby was born, but you bring them all to the hospital. That's what they did. That's what they wanted to do. Oh, my. Do anything out there in California. That's true. That's true. Thank you, John. That that explains everything. <laughs> well, listen, I'll, I'll let you go, but it's nice uh, talking with you, and uh, I hope everything gets settled around uh, in your apartment okay. And uh, Oh, thank you. And uh, what I could do is send a bunch of guys from down under the bridge up there. From under the bridge. And it'll give. I them think. Place I think I'll pass. I'll. I'll think I'll pass. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good okay. thing. Thanks a million for talking. Thank you, John. Well, thanks for calling in, John. It's really good to hear from you. Okay. Well, and I like getting the return when you answer an email and. Uh, Oh, and both you nice, and uh, I, I don't want to be bothering you with them, you know. But oh my goodness, oh my goodness, John has been sending me day-to-day emails. What each day, each day has something significant in it, and he'll send that. Um, one was to evaluate my life, and I thought I'll pass on that for now. <laughs> I'll do, I'll do, I'll do that later. <laughs> isn't, isn't that amazing? 
that uh, I, I look it up on the uh, the internet, you know, uh-huh. and uh, I don't think there's a day that passes that isn't some type of holiday. It's exactly, exactly. I'm going and to I, it, it, uh, yes. I'm going to I'm going to declare it the old prospector's day and have everybody send money. There you go. Would you share it? Uh, yeah, and then we can, uh, you know. Well, next time you're in the hospital, we'll just bring everybody up to the hospital. <laughs> Carol Lombard isn't around anymore. We don't want to leave anybody out. No. I'm, I'm an old was... undertaker, you know. I think that's what you. <laughs> I forgot. And, uh, I've always <laughs> part in my life, and I was in the show business for ten years, no, but uh, I've always, uh, I've always very serious. Because I know what it is, you know, when uh, somebody has a death and everything. But yes. I've always been kind of a comedy, you know. And I've always said here many years later, when I'm at mm-hmm. the hospital or doctor's office, I tell them I was the undertaker. <laughs> and uh, then I say I covered up many doctor's mistakes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, but, John, if you if you ever get to visit me, in the lower part of Florida. Would you please not remind me what you used to be? <laughs> sure enough. Oh, thank you. That would be very kind, Clark. <laughs> and, you know, okay. I always go around, uh, you know, and I'll see somebody young, and I'll say, you know, what's going on, babe? And like Clark Gable yes. used to do, you know. And, yes. But they don't know who Clark Gable was, and they think I'm a dirty old man. Oh, but, uh, oh, you tell him yes. That's the truth. <laughs> that I'm a dirty old man. <laughs> yes, and and could they please come over and visit you? Well, I tell you, I always I when you get to be my age, you're always going to the doctor's office or the drugstore yeah. to pick up men, you know. And I'll go in and and uh, there'll be somebody that I hadn't seen a nurse come in, and I'll they say, "How are you doing?" I say, "I'm fine." Uh, do you? Uh, day old men, older mm-hmm. men, and they look at me. <laughs> this is good. This is good. But you I keep to, doing that. Uh, I'm just kidding. No, I know, but one of them is going to say yes. <laughs> what do I do? And then what? And then, oh, you do? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to say, well, then I'll have to call uh, the network and, and see what Walden and, and Pat will say I should do. Uh-huh. The dating okay. hotline. I like that. Patricia can set up the dating mm-hmm. hotline questions. <laughs> yeah. Old okay. People, old people's hotline. There you go. I'll let yeah. you go. All right, John. Some other character. Thank you. Thank you. Care. Good night, John. And may the good Lord take a liking to you. You too. Oh, thank you. Bye now. Well, that was fun. We haven't talked with John in a very long time. Good evening, Walden and Patricia. Hi, Jim. Hi, Jim. How are you? Well, mixed emotions. Uh, first of all, before I, I'm going to be doing a book review tonight, and how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'll just Could I sit there Jim? and say okay. Could I call you on the other line, Jim? Let me to call you right back. Would that be easier? Yeah, that'd be easier. So if anybody wants to call in, we got we got about ten more minutes. Then I then we then I will call you, and I'll call you on the other line. All right. So we'll do that. All right, Jim. I'll call you back. 
I think it's easier to put him on Skype, so if anybody wants to call. So, uh, 714-545-2071. Like I said, give us a call. we got about 10 minutes before we get Jim booked with court. Anybody want to talk to Jim while we've got on, that's fine too. But of course, I think it'd be easier to do it that way. So, one four five four five two zero seven one. Like y'all, Patricia gives good advice. She tried Lucy. She charged ten cents. You know that little sign she has up. Oh, for a long time she only charged five cents. So I'll do that. Five cents. Did you charge five cents? Did you ever charge mm -hmm. Barbara any any five cents for your your wisdom? Oh, sure. And she gives to me, too. Hello there. You're on with Patricia. Yeah, this is John in Maryland. Hi, John. John, hello. How are you? My goodness, we've missed you. Yeah, I know. I missed you. But uh, I took some... You were talking about your rehab. Did they ask you your name and birthday? Patricia. Yeah, yeah. And when I started this, John, I didn't know. They, they asked me on yeah they asked me my name and I didn't know it. Oh, you did. Once in a while I screw them up and I tell them something else. <laughs> oh well, then you have to you have to help me here because John is so loud I'm missing words. Yeah, yeah John. Uh, John got John. And then when you can cut your audio, I think you got your player going. And then when you can shut off the the player. Yeah. No, it's it's okay. You can just help me with it. if I miss a word. I'll let you know. All right, go ahead, John. Yeah, and, and today I, I, I tried walking without my walker, but I was wobbly. Oh, but you're walking with your walker, okay. Yeah. And oh, that's that's good news. Yeah, the rehab, I was in there three and a half months. I don't know, you're probably in longer than me, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been here since May, so. Um, how long ago was May? I don't know, but Carol, Carol was in the hospital for seven months. Oh, my goodness. By the way, you know, yeah. I, I, I have a friend. Patricia knows who this friend I'm thinking of. He was in the hospital for three weeks. Guess yeah. what his hospital bill was? Oh, my. Oh, well, you know, a lot of it depends on what they did to him, and I know it was a lot of stuff. So for three weeks, my God, you're talking selling the house and your body. Yeah, that's, I'm not surprised. That's more than mine. <laughs> I think mine. I think mine was eighty-nine or ninety thousand. But uh, I, I knew I knew of a woman who was in the hospital, the actual hospital, for over a year, and the bill was, the bill was a million dollars. Oh my goodness! You know, uh, she passed away, but uh, so they oh, tried. Geez. She tried. They, they tried to collect. Yeah, they'll do that. They do anything they can to get the money. Mm-hmm. You can do, you can mm -hmm. go to Holland and then go to the drugstore and tell them you want a suicide pill. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, John. I really appreciate the advice. <laughs> this is good. This is good. All options on the table. <laughs> You're funny. I couldn't get through to you when I was going to say Key Largo. Key Largo, why would he? You, you guys, you movie buffs can help us out. What can I say? 
Oh, I didn't know you were looking for the name Key Largo. I thought you were just looking for the African Queen. <laughs> uh, no, we, we asked the African Queen, and I was trying to think of the other movie. And then you know, Key Largo was the movie I was trying to think of. So. Oh, oh, no, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that. Okay. Thank you, John. You you keep me up and running. I think I've seen every one of Humphrey Bogart's movies. I think I've seen them all. Really? What's your favorite Humphrey Bogart movie, John? Well, it, it had to be The African Queen. I really liked that movie. Yeah, that was a good movie. I just remember the leeches on Henry Bogart. Of our <laughs> I liked uh, <laughs> Paul and I liked that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Right offhand, I, I, I couldn't mention them anymore. But I've seen them all over time. But uh, I remember that survey they took and they named Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn number one and number two stars. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who it was, the film, the American Film Society or something like that. Or Turner, I'm not sure. Uh -huh. It was on television that I saw it. American Graffiti? Oh, a survey. I'm oh gee, I have to screw my ears in again. Hold on. <laughs> I'm sorry, I missed the preface on that. Yeah. I saw one the other day and Walter Tetley was on here, but uh, I can't remember what the name of the movie was. Oh, God, you found a... Absolutely truth. Go ahead. Anyway, my cousin uh, was born in East Prussia, and uh, just about, he was born in January, and I was born in May. I didn't know him; he didn't know me. But uh, he grew up in Germany, all during World War II, and. Uh, he came to the United States. The Russians came in and they confiscated his farm, his father's farm. They just wow. They just told him to get out. So they got a horse and wagon and they hooked the cow on the back, put all their belongings they could into the wagon, and they told him just leave. So they had to leave their their home, and they went to uh, what is what was then called East Germany, and the wall wasn't built yet. And my cousin, he managed to escape to the West, but the wall wasn't built yet. So he didn't have much difficulty. And he got a hold of some people over in the United States because he had relatives over here, but he didn't know them personally, like myself. And they sponsored him over here, one of the churches up in Pennsylvania, 
No, it was in Baltimore. That's right. It was in Baltimore. Sponsored him to come over, and they found lodging for him and all. Eventually, he, he uh, bumped into a, a girl who, who happened to be a relative of mine. And he, they married. And uh, he was telling me that his brother was a member of the SS. Schutzstaffel. Yeah. That's, that's me, Schutzstaffel. And uh, when the Russians were coming towards the end of the war, this hit my, now my, they were multilingual. They could speak Russian, they could speak German, they could speak Lithuanian, they, they could speak a lot of languages because his hometown was like on the border mm -hmm. of these countries, and they got to learn all the different languages. So my cousin said his father, older brother, when they come through, don't speak anything but Russian. And he did. He didn't speak anything but Russian. So one of the Russian officers says, why weren't you in the service? He says, oh, I was in the service. But he didn't want to tell him the German army. Right. So anyway, he said, are you in the service now? And he says, no. He said, would you want to be in the service? He says, oh, all right. So they put him in the, the Russian army. If they looked under his arm, that's where the SS tattoos under your arm. Yeah. Luckily, they they didn't discover he was a member of the SS. So, anyway, after the war, he transferred from the Russian army because East Prussia then it became part of Poland. They. Uh, when they made a treaty, they give the uh, the former German uh, area back to the Poles. So he joined the Polish army. And he oh stayed in goodness. there until he retired. And when he retired, after the war, my cousin went back to visit him. And he couldn't believe that my cousin, he had a car and his wife had a car. He didn't believe that. He says, nobody, you have to be awful rich to have two cars, you know. Yeah. They were talking about different things. And he was talking about when he was in the SS. And just before, in 1939, just before the war started, they were showing training films to the German army. In mm -hmm. one of the training films that they showed was a movie called Buck Privates with Babbitt and Costello, the Andrews sisters, and mm -hmm. uh, I forget who the other, um, Dick Ferran, Dick Ferran, I couldn't remember his name. They were in that, and they shows Abbott and Costello with their buffoonery, dropping their rifles, and their cartridge belt slipped down over his ankles, and he tried to march, and he fell. And they t told the German soldiers he, they, that this was a clip, wasn't the whole film. They just showed a clip, and he said, "This is the this is the American Army. This is what we got to worry about." <laughs> and, that's funny. But but that's the absolute truth. Well, he sure squeaked through a lot of situations. Oh my goodness! And when my my uh, his daughter went to college, uh, she invited one of her professors to that house for dinner and he was born in Russia. 
And when he came mm. to my cousin's house, they sat down for dinner and all, and they said grace, and uh, my cousin said it in Russian. I said, oh, my goodness, you speak Russian. He said, oh, yeah, I speak Russian. He didn't want to go into all the details of how he could speak Russian. But, uh, yeah. 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 College professor there, and they said Grace. He said it in Russian. <laughs> mhm. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, John, I am so happy that you called in tonight, and we got to say hello. We've missed you. Yeah, missed I know. Me. I can't get it on all the time. I'm yeah. I've been having a lot of medical problems, and uh, like I said, I took. I try, I try to walk as much as I can without the help of a walker, but I don't like to do it when there's nobody around. Yeah. I might fall. Yeah, no, no, no. No, that's I, not a good thing. Sometimes they, and they had a dial yeah. 911 to, to get me up. Mm-hmm. I, she couldn't get me up, and my daughter, she, she's, she just got over uh, open-heart surgery. She had a, a valve repaired in her heart, mm. and she's still recovering from that. Yeah. So, but... Uh, I, 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 I call when I can. A lot of times I listen, but I can't call for some reason or another. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Well, I I'm glad. I, got, hmm? I, I brush my teeth. I got my pajamas. <laughs> That's good. It's almost your bedtime. <laughs> That's so, funny. When, when bedtime, well, I'll listen to you up till midnight, and then I'll go to bed. Yeah. Okay. So, Thank you, John. You have a good night, and I'm glad you're doing better. Oh, so glad. Yeah, I hope you do, you do better also. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Good night. Good night. Okay, we're going to go get Jim on Skype. So hold uh-huh. on, everybody. That way. Welcome to Skype. Active call. Unread messages. Lee Beal. Unread messages. William Oliver. Uh, unread messages. Lee B. Patricia. Sammy. Ray from... Jim Taylor new home application send invite to enter leaving menus contacts Jim Taylor new unloading jo- can okay enter there hello there we've been waiting for you as an announcer used to say <laughs> yes <laughs> it's a good call. Uh, well I am I'm a mixed mood tonight I am in a situation now that it just it's a true nightmare, and I, it's something that I, I've told Larry about it, and I've told Ron about it, and I might as well show you guys. Yeah. About, a, about three weeks ago, we get a notice from our post office that our mail is being suspended. What? And our mail delivery. And what the problem is, this address is listed as Apartment M. When we got in this apartment after the fire, it was Apartment M, as in Mary, and uh, we tried to get our PG&E sta- established, and uh, apparently they didn't write, They couldn't find the address on their yeah. city maps. And we, I guess the property management people got the electricity established. But we were having all kinds of trouble getting mail delivered. And then we get a note about three weeks ago, two weeks ago, saying our mail was being suspended because it was not a valid address. And so... We called the property management people that own this apartment. They didn't respond. Finally, my housemate goes to the post office, and they say, well, you have to clear it with the city. We go to the city of Antioch, and we discover to our horror that this building was never even, this apartment wasn't even registered with the city. 
boy. The apartment, pe- the, the property management people never registered the apartment. It's not even a legal dwelling, we found I out. I was just going to say that means they never got a certificate of occupancy. And wow. we were told on Wednesday code enforcement came out to inspect the, the apartment. They were fortunately got a, we got a 30-day, they've got 30 days to respond, the apartment uh, management people, mm-hmm. or this place could be, uh, what do they call it, uh, red when they, when they, Shut it down. Uh-huh. And everybody red tagged. Red tagged. Yeah. I, I and so what we were faced with a legal yeah. dilemma, and that dilemma is, should we, we're, we, were, if they're going to shut it down, are we obligated to pay rent in November? I don't think so. As long as you're resident there, yes, you do. Uh, I'm sorry, but yeah. Well, the thing is. We might need that money to move if they red tag it. Yeah, but the the court would say that's your problem. I would suggest that you call somebody who knows the legal ends of California, but in general, uh, the general rule of thumb would be that as long as you're living there, even a part of the month, you'd have to pay for the month. (sighs) What I'm angry about is they could have solved this problem months ago. And what we suspect is, what we suspect is, they didn't register it because they figured they could get all the rent and not have to pay any taxes on it. I think they might have done that, and this is just an I think, that if they didn't file for a certificate of occupancy, that would mean that their contractors were not registered. It would mean that they they knew that there were some faults that would have to be corrected before they rented it out. I mean, they, they've just been sailing on the seat of their pants. Wow. Well, I, I am can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine, Jim, that it would turn out that the residents in that complex would be forced to leave. What they would do is force... Well, all the other apartments are registered. Just this one isn't. You mean the other apartments in that building? Yes, they're all registered. Just this one. Just apartment M is not. All the others are numbered, like apartment 1, 2, 3, etc. This one isn't numbered. It's just that mean, oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, I guess you have to sit tight. Wow. Um, And what I'm really peeved about is they should have called us or told us what to do. It sounds like they set up an illegal apartment, period, and if they called you to let you know. um, Oh, brother. Oh, brother. What a mess, Jim. And it took you so long to find an apartment that was suitable. Yeah, and all our friends helped us find it, you know, with the fund and everything. We put yeah. all the deposit up and everything. Yeah. We're thinking about at least trying to get our deposit back if we can't live here. I agree. Um, and, Walton, you may know more about this. Are we still here? Yeah. Did we lose Jim? No, he's here. No, I'm here. Oh, okay. I heard some aggressive clicking here. Um, the The deposit payment... You can, uh, under normal circumstances, you can use that as your last month's rent, or you get it back. That's not something that they get to keep. I don't think we can get all our months of rent back from this year, though, can we? No, no, you won't get any money back for for being a resident there, but your um, security deposit 
you have to, you have to pay the first month, and then your security deposit takes care of the end month if you're moving out. And you probably got a lease, Jim. When does your yeah, lease we, we, we were just renewed the lease a few weeks ago. You know, it was a year's lease, and we renewed yes. it, uh, not suggest- knowing about this situation. Yeah, my, my suggestion would be to call code enforcement. Tell them we did. That you, and what did they tell you? They said they had the uh, the owners have 30 days to um, register the building. Yeah. Well, the the question um, the question is to them, if they don't do the work, and the and the apartment is not registered properly, what will happen to you? Yeah, that's what we're worried about. We're we're, we're already looking for other housing, but it's just the it's just the whole but the whole principle of yeah. never dreaming of that this would. And, and what I want, yeah, what I want you to do is call code enforcement and not find out what they have to do, but find out what would happen to you. Would you be forced to leave if they don't meet requirements? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, we're going to call them Monday. Yeah, <coughs> we're going to try one more time <coughs> with management, too, because mm-hmm. they um, – we had all kinds of trouble getting packages delivered at Christmas. You know, uh, my dad, that. we were having trouble getting things delivered. My mm-hmm. dad sent a smoked turkey to us. It took about three delivery attempts. My sister ordered some gifts from Amazon for me. Mm-hmm. And we were having all these issues. And now it turns out it's not even a valid building or not even a valid unit. Yeah, so you're still going to have trouble at the post office. Will the post office hold it for you, hold your mail? We, we got it temporarily renewed. They hold it for a while. At first they said they weren't going to, but would you, my housemate was able to get it renewed temporarily. Good, good. Okay. But darn, okay. I mean, it just, you know, yeah. it, what, what makes you angry? I almost said a bad word there. What makes you angry <laughs> is you live by the rules. You do what you're mm-hmm. supposed to do. You pay your rent on time. We never missed a month. And then this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, somebody is going to have to come up with a solution for you, um, at least tell you what you have to do, and then you'll know what you're dealing with. You know, if you don't have to go out and look for an apartment, you're not wasting your energy on that. So I I think the thing to do is find out what would happen to you if they don't complete their end of the bargain in terms of of completing uh, the registration of that particular apartment. If If they had the building certified but not your apartment, there's there's a legal trouble that they're going to be in. So, oh gosh, what a mess! Yeah. What a mess! Yeah, I know. It's uh, I, one thing. One thing I can say: you landlords aren't like Fred and Ethel Merckx. No, they aren't, and you're not like Lucy either. So that's good. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> that was that uh, would help. But you, anyway, yeah. it's just one of those one of those little. Uh, you know, you feel like you're in the twilight zone when you're in a building that doesn't oh. exist. <laughs> that's a good that's putting it very well. Putting it very anyway, well. Anyway, got a book to review for you tonight. Which book? And it is by the late J. Fred McDonald, who mm-hmm. is an eminent media history professor and media historian. Ooh. He is best known as the author of Don't Touch That Dial, that great book on radio history. Ah, okay. And by the way, I've got good news to report. All of his books have been posted you can the easiest way is to Google it. Uh, media history ebooks by J. Fred McDonald. That might be the easiest way. What and his books are online for I guess his widow or whoever set up things, mm-hmm. where you can read his books online free. 
if you want to. Yeah, no, that's a, I, I just said that's a great suggestion. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to have some dead yeah, air. And he, thought, uh, yeah, and uh, he's written several, and he also did, hosted a radio program on WBEZ, the NPR station in Chicago, called Journeys. And he shared his sound archive, his massive sound archive, on NP, on this NPR station in one-hour mm-hmm. programs. And it covers everything from entertainers to politics to popular music. So it was about 30 or 40 uh, 1980 and 81 uh, Journeys programs on that site as well, so you can mm-hmm. listen to. Great. But the book I'm going to review is called Television and the Red Menace. The Video Road to Vietnam. It was written in 1985, originally published by Prager. And uh, Mr. McDonald argues in the foreword, why is it that the American people were so willing to accept an undeclared war in, an, in, an, in Southeast Asia so willingly? Mm-hmm. And he argues that television was a factor. And his argument is that from the beginning that television emerged just at the time the Cold War was beginning with the Soviet Union. And years of propaganda, both in journalism and entertainment programs, had us, an us, always defeating an evil them. And he used, well, he goes into the history of how TV in in the late 40s and early 50s emerged just as Soviet and American relationships were beginning to deteriorate. And he talks about things like early examples of TV panel programs where communists were denounced by senators and politicians. And he talks about TV and the Korean War and how TV covered the Korean War, some of the early efforts at that. He talks about Edward R. Murrow, and he talks about the whole chapter on Senator McCarthy, Joseph McCarthy, and how he used television, presidential uses of television, um, how, for example, in 1955, there was a mock nuclear attack on the United States in which President Eisenhower and other government officials were evacuated to other places um, in June of 1955. No real attack, of course, but it was a mock Mm -hmm. attack, and how television exploited this. And he talks about, for example, how effective McCarthy was on television. And television, of course, with the Merle documentary and the Army McCarthy hearings, eventually led to his downfall. And he talks about how television conveyed a, a climate of fear about fallout shelters. And you might, you might have seen the old commercials or videos for, remember, Duck and Cover? Yes. Yes, we How kids about were that supposed to night. duck and cover and protect themselves. That uh-huh. that would really protect you from a nuclear bomb. Yeah, yeah. But it conveyed this fear. And he talks about TV journalism in the late 50s, how on some of the year-in programs, and I've heard some of these programs, both NBC's Projection and CBS's Years of Crisis, the correspondents would actually debate each other on how to deal with communism. Some were hawkish, some were dovish, and he quotes examples of that. And then he mm-hmm. goes into entertainment programs. In the 50s, there were many communist spy, I mean, anti-communist spies as entertainment. And he gives examples of shows like Biff Baker, USA, the TV version of Dangerous Assignment, Counterfrost, uh, 
uh, let's see, uh, the, there was even a TV version of The Man Called X. There were, and then he goes into the military, both humorous shows like Sergeant Bilko with Phil Silvers and real shows like The West Point Story and um, Annapolis, uh, Annapolis, USA and uh, The Silent Service and all of these shows that glorified the military. He talks about TV westerns as political propaganda, how the westerns in the late 50s conveyed an image of a strong nation that was able to defeat enemies on the frontier, whether it be Davy Crockett or Matt Dillon or whoever, and he even quotes critics from such magazines as National Review and the American Mercury that talked about how our politicians could take a lesson from Westerns. You know, uh, one, one said, would Paladin permit aggression to continue? Would Matt Dillon... And would uh, would we sell guns? Would Paladin or the Lone Ranger permit guns to be sold to the enemy? And they're taking, they couldn't understand why some of our politicians did business with the Soviet Union if they were really the enemy. And they said they could take lessons from Westerns. Then he goes into the Kennedy administration, how Kennedy was able to use TV effectively, both in his press conferences, specials about JFK. And then he goes into TV dramas in the 60s and comedies how there were military shows like uh, Combat and 12 O'Clock High and uh, The Gallant Men and others, where we were always winning, mainly World War II. There was also a Civil War show called The Americans, uh, which I remember very fondly. There were only 17 of them. Uh, there was a show called World War One on CBS where we were always winning, and our, our education, it was only gradually American TV viewers really realized we were in Vietnam. It wasn't covered very much in the 50s when we were sending advisors there. And only in the 60s, uh, as, as the war continued, was it covered more on TV. And then he talked about the anti-communist spy in the 60s, like The Man from Uncle and The Prisoner and uh, programs like uh, even comedies like Get Smart and even military comedies like Gomer Pyle, USMC, and No Time for Sergeants. And then he talked about how all of these conveyed an image that we could never lose a war, that we could never lose a war. And then he goes into how TV eventually became more responsible in the mid to late 60s with um, programs like The Smothers Brothers and uh, uh, laugh in and where, where we poke fun at political leaders and didn't take them so seriously and how TV eventually began to be more responsible. He doesn't really indict television and hold it totally responsible for the war on Americans' attitudes towards it, but he does point out that it conveyed an, an image and an idea that we could accept it because we 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 never lost wars on television. None of the heroes died on Western, on military show. In, in other words, it conveyed an image that we were always right and never mm -hmm. wrong. And I give this book four stars. And that's your highest level. I am I correct? Yes. Well, I say five. I'm going to give it five. I'll give it five. Five my highest. I think one to five is is a good range. Most people go by that so one to five and you give it a five that's that's really good it sounds wonderful about 
you know, giving giving the history of the two media. Um, wow, that was really good, Jim. Thank you so much. Would you repeat the title of the book and the author, please? Television and the Red Menace: The Video Road to Vietnam. Uh huh. And you uh, can go to uh, you can Google uh, media history ebooks by J. Fred McDonald. J. Might be the Fred easiest way. Yeah, J. Fred McDonald, and boy, that that's really a good tip, and it, it really sounds like a good book to get your I was thinking in a few weeks, maybe you and I can do a joint review on Don't Touch That Dial, perhaps. Um, I don't have access to my books. Oh, they're, you don't? Okay. No, they're they're all at my apartment, but maybe in, in a I few I mean, online. Weeks. I mean, if you, we can read it online. Oh, that's, oh, 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 okay. That's how okay. I read this one. Yeah, well, of course you would. You don't buy books, for heaven's sakes. Well, that's really good. I, I will do my best to... Um, well, maybe in a few weeks we can do a joint commentary on Don't Touch That Dial. Or we could, and yes, that, that would be fun. And the second part is we might be able to debate each other at the end of the, at the, end of the review. Yes, on, on your, if you, uh, what your conclusions were. Um, let me know when you want to do it and okay. so I can give you time to... That's good. I have a few weeks to um, get settled and do a bunch of things, so maybe sometime in December. Would that be okay? Yeah, that would be fine. Okay, that's good. And who knows where we'll be in December. But <laughs> that's right. Who knows where we'll, we'll be? be. We'll yeah, you be. and I both are. Um, but have you ever heard of this type of situation before? What type of situation? Like the one I was telling you about, about my situation here. Oh, no, it really sounds quirky, except that here, especially on the beach, people have created illegal apartments in their ground level. Now, most of the, um, most of the places that have done that are on the beach. They, houses are typically set up on pilings so that you've got to go up some stairs probably to a second floor level. And what they've done is enclose underneath the house where you're supposed to have room for water to go through and they're creating apartments and they're doing it on the QT so you know and that I think would be a, a situation that might be comparable they've got an illegal apartment that they are renting out for months in the summer and during the year for long term so um, and what, what I feel bad about is they went through all the trouble to build this place yeah, you know yeah. all the all the all the sink and the free the yeah. fridge and everything, mm -hmm. and and but the like, if if they're doing something illegal, the one comfort I get out of it is if they, if it has to be tagged, no one else can rent. They can't profit or rent it to anybody else That's either. Correct. That's correct. And, and they won't get to profit from it. No, no. And if if they have if they don't make corrections, that code enforcement has asked them to do or told them they have to do, that tells me, number one, that code enforcement will issue a CO or certificate of, of, um, certificate of occupancy, I'm sorry, that they will do it. Otherwise, they just would have shut down the operation and said tear out the apartment. So it sounds promising that as long as these people do what code enforcement has told them ha that has to be done. I'm just relieved they didn't close it down this yeah. week, of course, and they have 30 days. Yeah, yeah. That gives us time to look. We wouldn't want to have to leave on a one-night notice or something, you know. Oh no 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 no. No, they they wouldn't. 
they couldn't possibly do that. They would give you time to get out and find a, a new home. But really, I'm, I would call code enforcement and ask them what the consequences for you would be if... We'll do that Monday morning. Yeah, if the owner doesn't meet expectations. So. And you right. have a... Uh, I'm glad you're feeling a little better. Thank you. And I know that you... Um, we're looking forward. I know it'll be a few months, but we're looking forward when you put up some new awful shows again. Oh yes, I'm hopeful that uh, Walden and Larry and I, <coughs> excuse me, can um, that we'll be able to do it within the next couple of weeks and start over again because I can capitalize and use the phone on the third floor, which is not my yeah. floor, but it's kind of tucked off in the corner, and I would have the kind of time that I'm having tonight. So we might be able to accomplish that, but Walden. But I really enjoyed help? reading television in the Red Menace. So it, it really sounds good, Jim. Thank you for. So you thanks again. Out. Thank you, Walden. Talk to you all tomorrow, maybe. Thank you. Bye. Good night, Walden. I'm asking for help. If you can do it to me, I can find O T R R, the website, but I can't connect to any of the shows. Can you give me a link? Where, you know, for example, if you went up looking for Fibber Mickey and Molly, can you give me a link to that? That, w that would be great. Whatever you can do to help, because I don't have my source of shows either. They're on the big computer, and that is not with me. So, yeah, I'm looking for a way that I can, <laughs> trying to figure out a way that I can get it here and use it here. The room. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Well, you can put it up on my regular computer, and I can log on to however many. I have two. And um, so I can I can log on to either one from any computer. So if you would, yeah. Yeah. Right. But I can access the Dropbox that you and I use from this computer. So I'm cool on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, all, yeah. All my individual gems are on the other um, computer. So I'll, what I'll do is transfer all of the the really sick ones <laughs> that I've collected over time. I can transfer them. I have enough room on this computer to do. Um, Okay, and what would what would really work is if I transferred everything onto um, a hard drive. Yeah, and I've got one. Yeah, I have I have one. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, what what I can do uh, as I'm sorting through the stuff in my apartment is send you the new one that I have, and then you can help me fill it up. Okay. No, I don't. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want you to go out buying 
something that I already have. So I'll, I'll collect that and bring it over here with me and make sure that I can get it in the mail to you. I, I was uh, I have an external hard drive that, that that's clean and I haven't even opened. Go ahead. Okay, and we can we can talk about it during the week. I didn't mean to <laughs> keep keep all the time. The one, the, the link that I used to get to the OTRR site, OTRR, yeah, <laughs> I just stopped and think where the R's are. Uh, right, right. Um, I forgot what I was saying. Oh, the, the, the link that I used to get up to the shows was just to the letter, for example, maybe the letter S I had, and from there I could get to any of the shows. But the only thing I have will get me to the home page, and it doesn't give a link to the shows that I can find yet. So if you could send me a link to any one of the shows on that site, just, you know, one show, then it will give me access to the shows, and I can bookmark that for me. Oh, yeah, I c yes, I can go there. Um, my Yes, my preference is to go to the... OTRR site because they're much more organized than what archive.org did to their their oh gosh they trashed it they just trashed it so yes We are soups. That's what we are. We are soups. Walden. Yes. That would be really neat. Yeah. That's cool. I could do that. Yeah. And we could we could do interviews on request. If we can get them, I'm even assuming somebody doesn't ask for go ahead. She did. 
God bless her heart. Oh, thank you, Sandy. Do you know what? When you first called and I said, you know, while you were talking and doing other stuff and playing Patricia, I said, I'm going to move a chair over here and get my leg up on it. Well, thank you. I found a, I found a dime on the floor. Yeah, I've got, I've got somebody talking behind me, and I hope that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Every won't get me in the door. What a what a quirk. What a quirk. Okay, hurry up and call folks because I'm <laughs> I have to leave in a little bit. That was such fun. It, yes. We did, and he was so much fun to talk with. He had so much information for us. You can grow your own, but you can't get it in time for this, <laughs> for this Christmas. And you only have to have space, if you're going to grow more than one, you only have to have space up six feet beside in in between trees. So I mean that's pretty good. You could grow that in your backyard. You want to do that? That would be really fun. You know, when I was when I lived in New York, we had, had a a fir tree. I think it was I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, it was big enough and fluffy enough to have been used at the White House or Rockefeller Center. It was a beautiful tree. But as Mike said the other day, eventually you get to a point where, you know, it, it kind of comes down itself. It, does, it just doesn't stay, stay pretty. And this one was beautiful. So I don't know whatever happened to it, but I hope people took care of it. 
Who's there? Wow. Hey guys. Oh, um, Beamer's battle, huh? He's not selling it, is he? No, no, no. He's giving it something to do. Okay, that's good. You know, I almost got to buy one of the Virginian saddles. Yes. Um, I was in the early 80s, and I had a horse, and I was saddle shopping, and my cousin had told me about one, and I went out there to check it out. And, well, the the young lady who was selling it, uh, she's... Said I didn't realize such a handsome guy was coming, and she was all of a sudden really interested in me and not wanting to let the saddle go in hopes of my still being around, which I wasn't interested in. So anyway, it was probably a little too small for me. Uh, it was a yellowish green um, suede on the top leather. And it had a little silver uh, emblem on the back under the under the cantle, the back of the seat there that said the Virginian. So you what? Oh, when? No kidding. That's cool. I just went to, um, what did you say, the Golden Days of Radio podcast, and I saw your name there. I saw Frank Brzee. But then I saw one that said, Unknown. Is that Patricia? <laughs> I'm known. <laughs> I'm known. Everybody knows me. Yeah, but, but I didn't see your name on a podcast is what I'm saying. But you're going to work towards that, though, huh? I just put in Walden Hughes and it came up. Yeah, it didn't have to put us in altogether. But there is one already with you and Patricia on uh, SoundCloud? Yep. So 
is that like 60 or 70 of these of these Saturday night shows or what? Okay, and um, is that <laughs> right? Are you playing the entire show up there, Walden, or just the interviews? Cool. So what is it? Soundcloud.com? Sounds that sounds good. Now, do you make money by in a podcast? It don't cost me money. It costs me Yeah. <laughs> I wish you would. The food is horrendous. They are still rebuilding for from the hurricane, and we don't have a, um, a kitchen. And they're bringing food in from the outside, and it's, it rotates every week. Every Sunday you get the same thing. Every Monday the same thing. And it is, for the most part, atrocious. So please send oh. food. Please, yes. I hear that. Yeah. Send me a box of Zesta crackers. They've been putting that on some of our trays. We're not even getting trays. They're, they're serving this stuff in styrofoam, you know, the, the styrofoam yeah. type thing. If you go into a, a store or, you know, they put chicken in it and they close it. Um, I, was to, I was told last week that this is for, the ne for two more weeks. I don't believe them, but I'll let you know. They would have been wondered, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. No, it's, it's okay. If we got TV dinners, it would be a beautiful change. Yeah. Oh, and you can, you can buy some, some of the um, TV dinners in the supermarket for a dollar apiece, and they're really good. So we'll... What we need to get you is just a little small oven big enough for TV dinner. <laughs> yes, right. And one of uh, the micro, micro freezers that, that people have in dorm rooms, and you'd be set. I have to find room for my computer first. <gasps> Wouldn't that, oh boy, that would be great. You could Next time I stagger, the, you <coughs> stagger the meals because your oven's only so big. Mm -hmm. so Next time I go out with my Care Bear, any time I go out with my Care Bear, I could go to the supermarket and get a bunch of this stuff. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, it would. Yeah. That's what oh. I'm saying. Oh. If we took contributions, we could get her that refrigerator and <laughs> a little oven. I have, and if, if I can get a bigger room, and they do have several here, 
Right now I have a really wonderful roommate who sleeps all day. She's an elderly lady whose nephew, can you believe this, she was 98 a couple of weeks ago. That was her birthday. He did such a party for her. Apparently they really love each other because he comes in periodically more often than anybody else, I think, has visitors. And she is my roommate. We're in a smaller room. If one with a decent roommate and an empty bed by the, you know, with the extra space, I could fit a table for my computer. I could have a refrigerator. I mean, it's big enough for that. But I'm in one of the smaller rooms right now. That was my assignment after the hurricane. So, you know, you can't can't argue with safety. Yeah, that would be great. That is going to be great. Yep. You have to get her through what, Walden? Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. In a couple of Hell. yeah, probably probably in early December. Good. And that that will be great. That will fix a bunch of the trouble I'm having with my right leg, and um, the rest of the stuff I can deal with. I don't care. It's yeah, he's so starting, you have, he's hmm? do you, you have like herniated discs and arthritis and stuff encroaching upon no, the just, nerve? Just a, an explosion in one of my discs, and my doctor said that's the most popular one, and it probably was precipitated by my nursing years on the nursing units because, yeah, we, we, we would together, you know, for a couple, but with a couple of other people, you know, we'd move 300-pound people into bed and hoist them up in bed and, you know, do CPR and all of it. It really puts a lot of stress, a stress on the L4, L5 area, and he said that's where it happened. You know, you just But you couldn't make a up. worker's comp claim? Again, please? You could make a worker's comp claim. Not not for that far back. No, I've been a writer too long. No, I couldn't make a workers' comp. And the only way you can make a workers' comp, of course, is if you file a report. But I didn't, and, I mean, it was just part of the routine. It wasn't anything. You know, he just said that's most likely where it came from. So, anyway, I'll have that fixed, and then I'll be a happy camper. So you think your walking will be back after that operation? Much better. It'll be much better, yes. Wow. So it is sure did take them a long time to find that, huh? Well, no, that was what my doctor was talking with me about before I did, you know, my coma routine with the diabetic numbers. But anyway, that's enough about me. I am doing well, and I'm just very thankful okay. for that. Well, everybody wants to know about you, so it's not just me. I'm yeah, well, I'm here in a know, while. I'm um, um, part of the family. It's absolutely. It's you and you and Walden uh, make this Saturday night happen. Aw, that's very sweet. Thank you. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is, yeah. Oh, my goodness. You speak you, the truth, Kimosabi. And you do such a good job. You do homework, you know, and get into things um, pretty deep at times, and that's just really awesome. It's fun. It's fun. 
and I even have Halloween stuff tonight, but we're running close to my my expiration for the. Oh, I have to tell you about my my license one time a bunch of years ago. I'll do that one night. Okay. Can you just say where you are right now? Are you in some corner, like upstairs or something, or uh, where oh, are you yeah, calling the, from? The, the the facility has three floors, and the phone I'm on right now is in a corner at the end of the third floor hallway, and they have a phone for resident use only, and that's where I talk from. So, yeah, I'm, I'm up here in a corner. <laughs> so, oh, boy. Yeah, I'm right next to the vending machine. You hmm? still come very, very chipper and all, and, uh, you know, what? I think you've been doing such a good job that way while you've been going through all of this uh, trauma of, of this time. Well, I appreciate that, and I love Walden for this because there were an awful lot of time. There is or was, I don't know what I'm saying, was an awful lot of time that I was not here on Saturday nights, and he just carried everything and said I could have my job back. Oh, no. Oh, no. They might have shunned you and wouldn't talk to you, but <laughs> they, would, they wouldn't harm you. Well, I'm going to make room for somebody else. Okay. To call up. I'm just so glad that I was able to speak with you and that you do at least have a corner. Yeah, I have a corner, yes. Thank you, Paul. You have a good okay. night. Okay, bye-bye. Patricia's in the corner, and I didn't even do anything bad. Yeah. And the soda machine will not take dollar bills tonight because it's full. Can you imagine? The guy came, the guy came and he filled up the soda machine, and I've, been, I've really knocked him two times and said, my gosh, you know, you've got a house full of diabetics here, and you keep putting sugar stuff up there. Give her, give us some more Pepsi, Diet Pepsi. So last week we got two whole, uh, four whole rolls, whole W H O L E rows, and this week we've got five rows. But the dollar bill slot is full, so I have to go squirreling around and look for change. going to open a shop down there. This is good. A little general store. Well, it sounds Hello. like uh, you better jot down some things here. Indiana person, you got you got clipped with one of the hurricanes I saw on the map. Did you do all right? We got uh, rain from all three hurricanes. Oh wow! Oh wow! So, so not like you got clipped though. No, no, and it was on the east coast. And you know what? We have not heard a word that I know of about how Donald Trump's Miralago. Because he's right on the coast. 
I mean, his, his property is abut the Atlantic Ocean, and the East Coast right. really got clobbered, but nobody wrote about his Miralongo. No. I'm pretty sure FEMA wasn't helping out. Oh. <laughs> yes, I, I think they might have bypassed him. But, uh, it, 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 you know, FEMA is starting to rethink, or started several years ago, to rethink the insurance that people were buying on coastal properties, that they that it was a risk, a known risk, that, you know, their insurance is that you really have to pay a fortune for coastal insurance, and that would be the only stuff that they would be able to get, that FEMA help would be questionable. Exactly. So, yeah. going back to your apartment this week, I mean, just to... Yes, I, yes, I did. Uh-huh. Having damage at your apartment? Say that again. Uh, Walton, can you turn Dan down a little bit? No, not that I know of, except there was electricity out for about eight days, and I had huh? stuff in the freezer. I mean, it oh, smelled gosh. like a garbage dump. When I, yeah, when I opened the freezer door, holy cats. But the person I was with, I had one of my Care Bears with me, and he, he cleaned out the kitchen cabinets, and I said, everything has to go. Well, what about this? It's big peanut butter jars. You can take it. So he wound up with two big boxes of stuff, for which I am very glad, and, um, you know, really helped me clean out a whole bunch of stuff, and I will be going back. But um, in my apartment, anyway, the only damage was <laughs> the freezer catastrophe because everything in there was, you know, was still current. My sister-in-law went through the refrigerator for me and saved everything that was not going to expire for a long time. And that's the stuff that was up in the freezer. I mean, hot dogs and TV dinners and pork and ground beef. And, you know, it was just, just incredible. But so he opened, I, he said, well, let, let me empty that. I said, I don't think so. You better wait until we're ready to go out to the store. So. So that's my story for Friday. We really got a lot done. Five, five hours. Just, just, yeah, just short of five hours. You were worn out then. I was worn out. You bet. And that was yeah. yesterday. I did. I did. And I discovered that um, they shut off my phone. I'm not sure why, but, you know, it might not have even gotten back on <laughs> from what I, you know, kind of um, negotiated or talked with and worked with the phone company to get my phone back on. And I'm thinking that they probably didn't do that, you know, didn't get it turned back on, which is good because then I won't get billed. <laughs> so, oh, well. Oh wow! Yeah, you so that's probably would forty. You would oh wow! Um, well, please turn him. Please turn Dan down. I mean, he's he's just. Is this better? No, no. And maybe you're going in the wrong direction. I'm, I'm not speaking very loudly at all. No. But uh, I don't know. I'll whisper. Okay, I'll live with it. <laughs> I, I will live with it. Honest to goodness, I had to hold the phone away from my ear. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> okay, so what's new? What's Halloween? What you doing? Uh, it's, uh, we this had... This is Dan in Indiana, by the way. I'm, hmm? Dan, can I call you on your house phone? 
yeah, just on my cell phone here. Uh, that's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just speak quieter here. Um, yeah, we had okay. snowflurries this morning. <laughs> yeah, you told me that you had snow fluffies on your on your pumpkins. Exactly. Yes. Oh my and, uh, goodness! Oh my goodness! Fluffies on the pumpkins. How hot? How hot did it get in Los Angeles? I don't know. Walden, are you there? Walden. I think Walden turned down Walden instead of me. I, exactly. Yeah. You did do that, didn't you? Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. Okay, wait. Oh, I know where I put down for the six. And I put where I put down that. No. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? We haven't talked about uh, that night for a very long time. Can you hear me now? Yes. I, yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. That's good. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, I was worried about your house being, uh, you know, or your apartment being, uh, you know, like, you know, just uh, torn apart. Yeah. Well, my, no, no, it didn't. Um, you know, my sister did an awful lot of work. She came down in the summer and did an awful lot of work in there and straightened it up, and my brother came in and created a disaster in my office. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, I mean, it's just, I can't find anything. Some folders are missing. It's just terrible. But anyway, um, no, it hasn't, it's not in condemnation, con condemn, not in condemning condition, I'll just say that. Not in, it's really very good. So the freezer was the only catastrophe that I had to deal with. And my Care Bear was a man, and, you know, I mean, he was he's just up and downstairs. I said, please, you know, take it easy. No, 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 we got to get this done. we got to get this done. So it was really great. Um, and I've got a whole bunch of stuff that, I mean, whatever I had in the kitchen, I wasn't going to use ever again. So all of that went, goes out. And we put everything on the lanai, and then I will hire one or two people with a truck to take all of that downstairs. I'm going to ask a care bear to do that at the price that I'm paying. So anyway, it was a really good day yesterday. I feel better about this now. Well, that's great. Um, yeah. So uh, you need food, you said? You said? No. <laughs> well, yes, yes, but no. Yeah, what yep. do I like that, no. that isn't destructible. Anchovies. Uh -huh. yeah. <gasps> oh, cans of anchovies. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Anchovies and Tootsie Rolls. <laughs> Mine, no, I'll, I'll, I'll bypass the Tootsie Rolls for now. Just send food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to treat somebody to a pizza here. She is just an adorable person. I love her to pieces. She's my bingo... What what is it? Competitor. She's she's my competitor over on the other side of the table, and she is just so cute. She eats. She's tiny. I, mean, I don't think she weighs a hundred pounds. And this woman can eat. She eats two or three peanut butter and jelly sandwiches before she goes to bed, and oh. then um, you know in all different directions. So, but we'll get a pizza next week. 
Patricia will good. work for food. Pardon? Yeah, oh, good, good. That's good. I'll make a sign for my door. <laughs> I can do no. that. <laughs> so, well, I am, I am just about down to my, I'm ready to leave. In, in a very long time. Yeah, in a very long time. So each week maybe I can jack it up just a little bit more. That's right. Would you hang in there? And Walden, I hope the heat uh, leaves your doorstep. Two weeks, right. two weeks ago, our nighttime was way into the 70s, and today it's 68 degrees tonight. I know they're laughing. They're laughing at me. I'm just so delicate, you know. But I don't have to go out, so this is good. This is good. Well, Dan, well, it's so good. Hmm? Again, please. No flurries if you want them. I don't think so. Thank knew, you very much. I knew, <laughs> knew that answer. <laughs> Sounds great. All right, well, I'll let you go for now. Thank you. Thank you sure. for calling, Dan. Sure. Good Thanks. night. Bye-bye. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's just get my leg out of here. <laughs> you know? It's going to be so good to have that fixed. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yes, yes. One of the nice things, I I have a, a small brace, one that's, um, you know, it's elastic and you pull it up and it's got some some stabilizing strips, metal, metal steel strips, I guess, on each side. And I'm, I've been using that when I'm out walking and boy, is it making a difference. So that's a happy thing to report. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, yes, yes. I had to learn my name all over again in May. That was, that was really not a good time. So, Well, I am going to say good night to everybody. Good night, everybody. Thanks for being with us, and I will be with you next week. And thank you, Jim, for the book report. It really sounded great. So good night, Walden. Next week. Bye-bye.
Jaws Professional Sound Forge Pro 11.0 Alt Tab. Windows M Desktop Folder M My Documents Enter. Document 4102720 Enter 143 Jack 4501017 Going to the train station. Unloading Jaw Cans OK Enter. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed. So free and easy on the draw. LSMFT. 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 Of course. You said it. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed. So free and easy on the draw. Independent tobacco experts, auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen know tobacco. They can see just who buys what tobacco. These experts present at the tobacco auctions can see Lucky Strike select and buy the finer, the lighter, the naturally milder Lucky Strike tobacco. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. The Lucky Strike program, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Larry Stevens, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Gentlemen, next Sunday night, we will be broadcasting from New York City, where Jack Benny is going to open the March of Dimes infantile paralysis drive. So let's go to Jack's house in Beverly Hills, where he's busy preparing for the trip. Seaside, west side, all around the town. I wonder if the little flower's leaves are turning brown. <laughs> la, 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 sweet Georgia Brown. <laughs> oh, boy, New York. Bright lights, Broadway. So much excitement in New York. Subways, taxicabs, people rushing around. That's where you see all the old vaudeville acts. Powers Elephants, Sharky the Train Seal, Sphinx Mule, Fred Allen. <laughs> Let's see now. I'll, uh, I'll cash a check when I get to New York, but I'll need some money on the train. Better figure out how much I'll need. See, there'll be nine meals in the diner at 50 cents a meal. <laughs> That's uh, 450. Maybe I should get Rochester to pack some sandwiches. <laughs> nah, how often do you go to New York? <laughs> Besides, you get jelly all over the berth. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> nine meals at 4.50. Yeah, that'll cover it nicely. But to be on the safe side, I'll take five dollars. <laughs> I, uh... 
I better get it out of the safe now. It's only me, Ed. It's okay. Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. How have you been, Ed? Oh, fine, fine. Oh, by the way, Mr. Benny. Yeah? Who won the election? <laughs> uh, Roosevelt. It was pretty close. Hmm. So Hoover's out, huh? <laughs> Oh, yes, yes, a long time ago. Oh, say, Ed, you have a nice Christmas? Yes, quiet, but nice. Good, good. Oh, Ed, I just want to open my safe for a minute. Oh, yes, sir. Shall I turn my back? No, 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 it's all right. <laughs> now, let's see. The combination of the safe is right to 45, left to 160, back to 15, then left to 110. There. Got to turn off the alarm. <laughs> now, let's see. Oh, there's a loose $5 bill. Yep, that's all I'll need. So long, Ed. I'll see you in the spring. <laughs> Take it easy. So long. Well, that takes care of that. Now, if I can get finished packing here. So oh, it's you, boss. I heard your burglar alarm go off, so I rushed right in from the garage. Oh, you mean you can hear it way out there? Hear it? Everybody in Beverly Hills is digging a foxhole. <laughs> well, I like to be on the safe side. Anyway, I'm glad you came in, Rochester. I want you to finish packing my trunk. Yes, sir. Oh, oh, say, boss. What? I packed your toupees in that hat box. My toupees? Yeah, I put in the blonde one, the dark one, the curly one, and the two with the fur lining. <laughs> Good. Do you want to take the one with the cow lick? The, the cow lick? Yeah, you know, the one you say makes you look like Van Johnson. <laughs> no, never mind that one. I'll be associating with an older crowd in New York. And, by the way, Roger, you finished your own packing? I didn't do any packing. I'm traveling light this year. Light? Yeah, one pair of shoes, two pairs of shorts, three pairs of socks, and four pair of dice. <laughs> Dice, I should have known. I suppose you think you're going to New York and clean out the town. I sure am, boss. But I'll admit Wall Street has me a little worried. What do you mean? Well, I can bring back the money myself, but how am I going to move those buildings? <laughs> now, you're just being silly. Look, Rochester, get my suits out of the closet. And then... 
Go ahead, Rochester. I'll answer the door. Oh, hello, Larry. Why aren't you home packing? Oh, I'm packed already. I just came over to see if I can help you. Oh, I'm getting along all right, kid. Gee, Mr. Benny, I'm all excited. I've never taken such a long trip before. Oh, you'll love New York. Now, won't he, Rochester? Yes, sir, especially this time of year. You'll see all that snow and the air is so crisp and so cold. Yeah, and don't forget, Larry, we change at Chicago. Oh, I won't have to. I've got mine on already. <laughs> Larry, I mean we change trains. That's where we get off the cheap and take the 20th century. Oh, oh. Say, kid, what are you going to sing on our first program in New York? Got it all set? Yes, would you like to hear it, Mr. Benny? Yeah, yeah, I want to see if it's okay. Oh, hold it a minute, kid. There's the phone. Hello? Hiya, Jackson. Oh, hello, Phil. I'm busy packing. Are you packed yet? Well, I would be, but my laundry hasn't come back. My shirts and things. Well, for heaven's sake, we're leaving in two hours. Haven't you any other shirts? No, those were the only ones I had. Oh, well, that's different. Rochester, let everything else go and finish ironing Mr. Harris's shirt. <laughs> Hurry up. But, boss, you promised Miss Stanwyck you'd get her stuff out first. <laughs> Miss Stanley can wait. This is an emergency. All right, Phil, we'll bring it to the station. Okay, see you later, Jackson. I'll meet you on the shelf. That's the cheese. The cheese. That's the name of the train. I know. I pulled the switch. <laughs> oh, Harris, you curly-headed clown. What keeps you from going high at you, boy? <laughs> because you can't get a high hat on a low brow. Now, goodbye. Okay, Larry, let's hear that song you're gonna do, will you, kid?
That's swell. That's well, Larry. That song will be fine for next week's program. Larry, I'll meet you at the Santa Fe station a half hour before our train leaves. Okay. Say, Mr. Benny, when you're on this march of Dimester, will you want me to go along and sing? Oh, sure, sure, kid. I was depending on you. Now, run along, and I'll see you later. Okay. Goodbye. So long, Larry. Oh, say, Rochester. Yes, boss? As long as we're going on this tour, do you think I should take my violin to New York? You do, and they'll run you up that tree that grows in Brooklyn. <laughs> They will not. Now, go upstairs and get my violin. Okay. Uh, come in. Pardon me. Are you Mr. Benny? Yes. My name is Wimbish, Malcolm Wimbish. Uh -huh. I heard you were going out of town for a while, and I thought maybe you'd rent me your house. Rent my house? No, no, I don't think so. But, gee, Mr. Benny, I haven't had a place to live since I got here. The hotels are crowded, and you can't get an apartment, and they're always painting the benches in the park. Well, look. I... Last night, I even tried to sleep on a streetcar. And you couldn't sleep, huh? I couldn't. Clang, clang, clang went the trolley. What? Ding, ding, ding went the bell. Look. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Went the buzzer? No, the guy next to me was snoring. <laughs> oh, well, look, fella. Gee, Mr. Benny, I gotta find a place to live. I ain't got no place to sleep. Well, I'd like to rent you my house, Mr. Wimbish, but I'll be back in just two months. Well, that's all right. I ought to be awake by then. <laughs> well, under the circumstances... Okay, I'll rent you the house. Thanks. I'll look around and see if I like it. Oh, oh, well, just... wander through the house. If there's anything you don't like, let me know. That I will. That dog is gone with all these interruptions. I'll never get finished packing. Oh, you know. say, boss... Rochester, did you find my violin? Not yet. I looked every place. Where'd you look in the violin case? Uh-huh. I opened the case, and all I found was four strings and a fat termite. <laughs> Not only that, when I peeked in, he spit the bridge at me. <laughs> Rochester, that's a big fib, and you go. No, now go, go and find my... <laughs> now go find my violin. Now what is it? Come in. Hello? Oh, Mr. Benny, I'm Pauline, Miss Livingston's maid. Yes, yes, I know. Well, I came over to tell you that Miss Livingston has a bad cold, so instead of meeting you at the house, she's going right to the station and get on the train. Oh, Miss Livingston has a cold? That's too bad. Did you rub something on her chest? I tried to, Mr. Benny, but she's ticklish. Oh, well, what about the doctor? He's ticklish, too. <laughs> no, no, Pauline, I meant, uh, what did the doctor say about her cold? Well, he said she could go to New York as long as she got right in her berth and stayed there. Oh, well, thanks for coming over and telling me. You're welcome. Uh, oh, Mr. Benny. Yes? <laughs> what is it, Pauline? What is it? Well, Miss Livingston didn't have room for all her things, so she wants you to put this <laughs> in your suitcase. Uh, this? Yes. <laughs> well, Pauline, I don't want to take that. I mean, suppose my suitcase falls open, people will see it. I mean, what would they think? Well, they could think it's yours. <laughs> mine, mine don't have those clips for the stocking. <laughs> now, Pauline, you better run down to the train. Miss Livingston may need you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, Pauline, Paul. Oh, she took the girdle with her. Well, good. Say, Mr. Just... Bunny. Huh? Oh, yes, yes. I looked around the house, and it looked pretty good. But tell me... Do you have any mice? Mice? Well, well, I have to admit that we do have a few. Good. I hate to live alone. <laughs> oh, oh. 
a look at some of the other rooms now. Yes, make yourself at home. He's a democratic sort of a guy, isn't he? <laughs> now, say, Rochester, I just happened to think of something. I've got to make some speeches at several banquets, so I better take along my tuxedo. Uh-oh. What's the matter? Well, I was pressing your pants, and I think I left the iron on a wee bit too long. Oh, my goodness. Did you burn a big hole in them? Boss, if Tennessee could have found a hole that size, they'd have scored a touchdown. <laughs> what? Roughly, you were burned out on the 10-yard line. <laughs> well, look, maybe I can wear my... Oh, just when I'm in a hurry, then. Hello? Uh, hello, Jack. This is Don Wilson. Look, Don, I'm trying to get packed. What is it? Oh, I've got some terrible news for you. What? What is it? Well, I, I hate to tell you this, but yesterday I lost the money you gave me for the railroad tickets. Oh, for heaven's sake, we leave in less than an hour. Did you put an ad in the paper? Well, yes, Jack, I went down as soon as it happened. I wrote out an ad that said, Lost Saturday. Money for tickets for the Jack Benny Show on the Santa Fe Chiefs in New York. Well, good. But the newspaper said it was too long, so I cut it down to Lost Saturday, money for tickets. Lost Saturday, money for tickets. Well, that's all right, isn't no, it? No, no, they said it was still too long. So I just used the initials, L-S-M-F-T. <laughs> L-S-M-F-T, but Don, how will you get the money back? L-S-M-F-T stands for Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Yes, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. <laughs> I know, I, but did you get an answer to the ad you put in the paper? Oh, yes, one man called up. Good, what did he say? He said, Soul American. Don, you mean a man called you up just to say, nah, nah, blah, 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 that's what he said. That's what the man said. He said that. What? <laughs> so long, Jack. <laughs> Imagine scaring me like that. But then Don's kind of cute in his fully packed way, I guess. <laughs> Rochester, you better start taking out the bags. We gotta leave right now. Okay, boss, okay. I'll just put on my tie and my coat, and then I'll be ready in almost any time, huh? Say, Mr. Benny. Oh, yes, yes, I forgot about you. I looked around the house, and I like it all right. But in the kitchen, I turn the faucets on, uh -huh. and the hot water runs cold, and the cold water runs rusty. Rusty? You're yeah. in California, Bob. That's orange juice. <laughs> now, here's the key. Come on, Rochester. Let's go.
see the station is crowded. Rochester. Yes, boss. Put on your red cap and carry my bags to the train, will you? <laughs> I gotta meet my gang. Train leaving on track five for Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga. Train leaving on track five for Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga. Gee, we're all supposed to meet here at the information desk. I wonder... Oh, there they are. Hey, Phil, Don. Oh, hello, Jack. Hiya, Jackson. Say, fellas, Mary went right to the train. She's got a cold. Oh, that's too bad. Say, uh, what are you carrying there under your arm? Well, I heard it was pretty cold in New York, and I want to be on the safe side. But Jackson, a smudge pot. <laughs> well, I'm not taking any chances, you know. Train leaving on track five for Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga. Does anybody want to go to Anaheim or Zuzza or Zuzza? Say, Don, have you got all the tickets? Well, not quite, Jack. At the last minute, Phil said he needed an extra one. Phil, who are you sneaking on this trip with you? Well, it's Frankie, my guitar player. I got to take him along on account of the magazines. The magazines? Yeah, he reads to me. goodness sake, now I have to buy another ticket. Hi, Jack. Where you been? Ain't seen you around. What? Oh, hello. Hello. Who was that, Jackson? Oh, he's a racetrack tout that used to hang around Hollywood Park, you know. Well, I'll meet you later, fellas. Now, let's see. The ticket window ought to be... Train leaving on track five for Anaheim, Medusa, and Cucamonga. Oh, come on. Somebody must want to go to Anaheim. Now, let me see. The ticket window ought to be... Uh, Jack. Uh, Jack, uh, come here a minute. Huh? Oh, it's you again. What is it? I uh, didn't want to say anything while you were with your friends there, but uh, where are you going? New York. What train are you taking? The Chief. Uh-uh. <laughs> Why, what's the matter? Take the El Capitan. But... But I like the chief. Come here, man. <laughs> yeah? Huh? And take my tip, bud. The El Capitan will beat the chief into Kansas City by three lengths. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, according to yesterday's performance, it can't miss. Well, look, I'm sorry. I'm taking the chief. Uh, look, come here, man. Uh-huh. I was talking to the engineer who's riding El Capitan, and he tells me that today she's ready. <laughs> well, I don't know. And uh, look at the breeding. El Capitan is by 20th century out of Golden State Limited. <laughs> Well, thanks for the tip, but I'm going to stick to the chief. Why? Come here a minute. <laughs> Don't noise this around, see? No. But I found out the chief is a sleeper. <laughs> now, uh, so long, fella. Okay, okay. So long. Now, 
let's see. The ticket window should be... Train leaving on track five for Anaheim, Mazusa, and Cucamonga. Look, we're not asking much. Two of you, or even one of you. Just somebody to keep the engineer company. <laughs> Here's the ticket window. Oh, pardon me, are you the ticket clerk? Well, what do you think I am in this cage, a canary? <laughs> Don't get huffy about it. All I want is a ticket on the cheap. Oh. Uh, would you like the $60 ticket or the $140 ticket? Well, uh, what's the difference? Well, with the $140 ticket, you ride inside. <laughs> well, naturally, I want to ride on the inside. After all, you know, I'm not as young as I used to be. No. You're not as young as anybody used to be. <laughs> Don't get fresh. All I want is a ticket to New York. Return trip? No, one way. Good. <laughs> now, cut that out. And stop wasting time. I have to get to New York by Thursday. I'm sorry, but our trains are all booked up. Well, think, man. Think there must be one train that has room for me. Leaving on track I've waited here long enough. You've just got well, to... Well, well, you're in luck, Blue Eyes. <laughs> I found one ticket on the Chief. Good, I'll take it. The Chief, leaving for New York. All aboard! Hurry up, hurry up, will you, clerk? Thanks. Thanks. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. I'm coming, I'm coming! <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jack will be back in just a minute. But first, here is my good friend, F.E. Boone. Smoke that smoke of fine tobacco. Smoke that smoke of fine tobacco. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, smoke that smoke of fine tobacco. Lucky Strike. For Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And in a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. It takes fine tobacco to make a fine cigarette. Remember, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. The famous tobacco auctioneers heard on tonight's program are Mr. L.A. Speed Riggs of Goldsboro, North Carolina. And Mr. F.E. Boone of Lexington, Kentucky. This is Basil Rysdale speaking for Lucky Strike. L.S. M.F.T. L.S.M.F.T. 
L-S-M-F-T. Smoke Lucky Strike, the cigarette that means fine tobacco. Yes, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, so round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Pauline, how's Miss Livingston? Oh, she's fine. Can I go in the compartment and see her? Well, she's asleep right now. Oh, well, I'll see her later. Second doctor. Yes, sir. How long before we get to San Bernardino? Oh, it'll be about two hours, sir. Two hours? Why so long? First, we got to go through Anaheim, Azusa, and Cucamonga. <laughs> oh, that guy got his way anyway. <laughs> Good night, folks. This is the National Broadcasting Company. You're tuned to KFI, Los Angeles. The Jack Benny Program. In a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. And Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Yes, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. LSMFT, LSMFT, LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So for your own real deep down smoking enjoyment, Smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. At 49, American. Excuse me, this is Kenny Delmont. Excuse me, I have a special announcement to make. Herbert Tarleton cigarettes are back. Good news for those who prefer a cork-tip cigarette. Herbert Tarleton is back, and there's something about them you like. Herbert Tarleton is back after being made only for the armed forces. Yes, Herbert Tarleton is back. That cork-tip cigarette, Herbert Tarleton, available now for you. Yes, Herbert Tarleton is back. And remember, there's something about them you like. There's something about them you like. This is Kenny Delmar. I trust you will welcome home Herbert Tarleton. There's something about them you like. Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, today, March 17th, is St. Patrick's Day. As you all know, St. Patrick drove the snakes out of Ireland. So today we bring you a man who was run out of Waukegan, Jack Benny. I'm glad you said man there anyway. Thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking. And Don, for your information, I wasn't run out of Waukegan. It was merely a request by the city fathers and mine. <laughs> and being a sharp guy, I took the hint and two shirts and left. But let's not talk about me, after all, this is St. Benny's, I mean, St. Patrick's Day. That's why I'm wearing this shamrock in my lapel. Shamrock? Yes. That's a moth that took a bite out of that $12 suit and turned green. Hey, right, don't be funny, this is a very good suit. Taste it. I mean, feel it. 
Anyway, why aren't you wearing something green today? I am wearing something green. See? Oh, yes, yes. What is it? It's that gold bracelet you gave me for Christmas. <laughs> Mary, that's an old joke. All I know is I polish my other bracelets. This one, the gardener takes care of. Well, that's appreciation for after all, Mary. It wasn't easy to get that bracelet. I spent over three hours at that claw machine. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Good, I didn't know it was going to be that good. Over there. You know, you Say, Jackson. Me. What? You're talking about St. Patrick's Day. Did I ever tell you the one about that friend of mine who got an Irish car? An Irish car? Yeah, every time you blow the horn, it plays Ireland must be heaven because my motor came from there. <laughs> oh, Harris, you're the Barry Fitzgerald of the Bobby Sox. <laughs> now pull out your garters and get out of here, will you? Put on your garters, right? You always try to run Say, one... Jack, what? Jack, uh, since this is St. Patrick's Day, uh, don't you think we ought to do this a little... This program is starting out like we had no rehearsals at all. <laughs> You want to know something? We did it. Everybody walks in any time they want. Hey, Jackson, they holler. What is it? Go ahead, what is well, it? Well, Jack, this being St. Patrick's Day, don't you think we ought to do a little play for our Irish listeners? Well, we're doing better than that, Don. Tonight, for the first time since his release from the Navy, Dennis Day, the smiling Irish songbird, will be back with us. Oh, so the kid's coming back, huh, Jackson? Yep. Gosh, Jack, Dennis has been gone for two years. I'll bet the Navy has changed him a lot. I'll bet it has, too. Anyway, he ought to be here by now. I think I'll call his house and see what's keeping him. Say, Mabel, what is it, Gatesville? <laughs> Mr. Benny's line is flashing. Yeah, I wonder what Bloomer Girl wants now. <laughs> I'll find out. Hello, Mr. Benny. Huh? Dennis Day? What's his number? Okay, I'll call you back when I get him. Say, Mabel, did you hear Mr. Benny's program last week? Yeah, Ray Moline was on it. God, he's wonderful, even if he is the Lost Weekend. <laughs> Listen, Mabel, if you think Milan is the Lost Weekend, you should have a date with Benny. <laughs> Those are my sentiments exactly. You want to know something, Gertrude? What? The contest has been over for six weeks, and I still can't stand him. <laughs> Yeah. You know, Mabel, two weeks ago he asked me to go to the Academy Awards ceremonies, but I had another date. Gee, Gertrude, how come Mr. Benny always asks you to all those swanky affairs? Well, why shouldn't he? After all, my mother gave him the best years of her life. <laughs> um, you know, I wouldn't mind going out on a date with Mr. Benny, but he's a sneaky type. <laughs> Sneaky? Yeah, he's the kind who lures an unsuspecting girl into his car, drives her out to a dark spot, pretends he's out of gear, stops the car, and then spends the next two hours talking about his picture. <laughs> it's enough to discourage a person, believe me. <laughs> I'll say. You know, Mabel, I got a confession to make. Once I let Mr. Benny kiss me, why, Gertrude Gearshift. <laughs> Say, uh, tell me, Gertrude, what are his kisses like? Well, it's like when you're blowing bubble gum and the bubble collapses against your face. <laughs> uh, well, between you and me, I'd rather have the gum. <laughs> 
it stays number doesn't answer. I better tell Blue Eyes about it. Hello? Oh, we'll try him again later, Gertrude. Goodbye. Oh, say, Gertrude, uh, what are you doing tonight? Tomorrow night? Tuesday night? <laughs> Wednesday night? Thursday night? Christmas Eve? <laughs> oh, you're, you're going to visit your mother. Well, don't be surprised when you walk in, sister. <laughs> Goodbye. Well, we might as well get on with the show till Dennis gets here. Come on, Phil, let's have a band number, will you? Sorry Now, played by Phil Harris and his Hour of Harm Orchestra. <laughs> hey, Phil, you know, this is a battery day. Why didn't you do something for the occasion, something Irish? I did. I put a harp in my band. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. You got a girl playing it. See, you know, her fingers must get callous and sore plucking on all those strings. Well, it's her own fault, Jackson. She forgot the bow, so let her do the best she can. <laughs> She's our orchestra leader for ten years now. <laughs> Phil, you don't use it... Come in. I beg your pardon, but hello again. Dennis! Dennis! Well, Dennis. 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 Uh, welcome back, kid. Welcome back. Gee, it's good to see you. Gosh, Mary, doesn't he look wonderful? Oh, he sure does. Oh, boy, I never expected this. Are you going to kiss me, too, Miss Livingston? <laughs> Certainly, Dennis. Doggone, Dennis, I can't get over. You look so mature. You've changed so. Well, sure he's changed, Jackson. This kid's been in the Navy for two years. He's grown up. Yeah, up. <laughs> hmm. uh, Dennis, tell us about yourself. Did you enjoy your two years in the Navy? I sure did, Miss Livingston. The Navy's wonderful. I went all over the South Pacific, and I saw plenty. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine you did, kid. Yeah, I bet you had a lot of fun, too. Say, Dennis, Dennis, I've been wanting to ask you something. Uh, tell me, kid, uh, how about those waves? That's what made me seasick. <laughs> yeah, yeah grown up. up, yeah. <laughs> you know, Dennis, I was all over the South Pacific, too, and I ran into some pretty rough seas. In fact, once I was tossed overboard. Oh, I was tossed overboard lots of times. You were? Yeah, but the captain made the fellows cut it out. 
Dennis, the boys kept throwing you overboard. That's terrible. Oh, it wasn't so bad. The Japs kept throwing me back. He was a pickle in the middle. Yeah. Say, Dennis, when you first joined the Navy, how did they know how to classify you? I mean, how did they know what rank to give you? Oh, that was easy, Miss Livingston. First, I had to fill out a lot of forms, answer a lot of questions, and then for two days, they gave me a written test. For two days? That must have been quite a test. And after it was all over, they made me an ensign. An ensign? <laughs> an ensign? Yeah. I wonder what they'd have made me if I'd have passed. <laughs> Maybe it's just as well you didn't. We won the war this way. You know? <laughs> well, Dennis, we're all anxious to hear you sing again. How about it? Well, gee, Mr. Benny, I don't know why you want me to do a song. You've already got two singers. Two singers? What are you talking about, kid? You know, those two fellas, fellas who sing... Oh, oh, them, them. Well, Dennis, they're not exactly singers. See, they're tobacco auctioneers. Oh. You see, we've changed sponsors. We changed sponsors after you left. Uh, tell them about it, Don. Okay. Now, uh, Dennis, you studied Morse code in the Navy, didn't you? Yes, sir. All right. Now, now listen to this. Tick, 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 tick. Tick, 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 tick. What does that mean? Tick, 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 tick. Yes. Tick, 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 tick. Tick, 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 tick. Wait, what are you two tick-ticking about? <laughs> I don't know about him, but I've got a loose tooth. <laughs> oh. Dennis, tick-tick, tick-tick-tick stands for L-S-M-F-T. Oh. Now, uh, what does L-S-M-F-T stand for? Tick-tick, tick-tick-tick. <laughs> no, 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 Dennis, look. L-S-M-F-T stands for Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed. So free and easy on the draw. Oh. Yes. And not only that, Lucky Strikes are made of the finer, the lighter, the naturally milder tobacco. And that, Dennis, is the whole story. Oh, boy, I hope they make a picture out of it. <laughs> yeah, starring Sonny Puffs. <laughs> well, come on, Dennis, we all want to hear a song. What's it going to be? Well, since today is St. Patrick's Day, I thought I'd sing Johnny Boy. Well, that's swell. Go sure. Go right ahead.
good. That was Danny Boy, sung by Dennis Day. And now... Hey, Mr. Benny, I meant to ask you, how's Mr. Allen? Who? Fred Allen. Well, kid, it was nice seeing you again. Huh? <laughs> no, no, Phil. In fact, I'm glad he brought it up. Dennis, I'm happy to tell you that Fred Allen has the same old program, the same old jokes, the same oh, old... Oh, wait a minute, Jack. That's not fair. I've heard all of Fred's programs, and they've been very funny. They yeah, have. Mary, I wouldn't mind if his joke just laid there. But they crawl out of the radio and stain your rugs. <laughs> Some program. That just shows what you know, Jackson. I think the funniest thing in radio is Alan's Alley. Oh, you do, huh? Yeah. I think so, too. Oh, you do, eh? I think so, too. Oh, you do, eh? I think Mr. Benny is much funnier than mm. Mr. Allen. I think so, too. <laughs> oh, you do, eh? Yes, I do. And, that, and, what, and what's so great about Alan's Alley? Anybody with half an ounce of talent can do that. Oh, yeah? I'd like to see you do it. Well, I'll just show you, sister. Phil, get your band ready while I put this clothespin on my nose so I'll sound like Fred Allen. Now, I'll go down to the alley, and you kids will play the parts of the people that live there. Okay, Phil, music. <laughs> So, Kenny Delmar, I won't say it's been very windy, but last oh, night... Oh, Mr. Allen! Mr. Allen! Well, well, if it isn't Cleveland. <laughs> Gee, <laughs> Cleveland, Kenny Delmar and I were just discussing the high winds we've been having here. Well, Mama says that all the wind is caused by the pickets. The pickets? <laughs> She says they carry their signs too high and walk too fast. And Mama also uh, Just said... a minute, Cleveland. I have a brother-in-law in the last row who's not quite through laughing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I imagine your mother knows all about pickets. I understand she's been picketing Lindy's restaurant because the lamb chops look better in their panties than she does in slacks. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. You write this stuff on Thursday, and then on Sunday, nothing happens. <laughs> what was that, Cleveland? Oh, Mama doesn't wear slacks anymore. She doesn't? Why did she stop wearing slacks? A policeman gave her a ticket for pulling a trailer without a license. Well, so much for your mother and her homegrown bustle. We've got to get down to Benny's Boulevard. Uh, what is your question for tonight? Our question is, is Fred Allen or Jack Benny the better comedian? Shall we leave? As one of my eyes said to the other, let's pack our bags and go. <laughs> I see Senator Harris is home. There's a 10-gallon hat and a 5-gallon jug on the porch. <laughs> Let's knock on the bunghole and see what he's got to say. Somebody, I say, somebody knock. Yes, I... Harris is the name. Senator Harris, that is. I'm from the West. From the West, When eh? I'm east of the Mississippi River, I'm in enemy territory. <laughs> I hate the East. My favorite actress is Mae West. Look, No look. man living can make me go see East Lamb. All I right, never Sam. go out of the house on Easter Sunday. Senator, When oh. I bake bread, I won't use East. That's ye. I thought you'd get a rise out of it. <laughs> 
if you don't jump, son, what you got on your mind? This is a free country. Well, I never saw anyone like this, son. Your mouth just like the front door of General Motors. Wide open, but nothing's coming out. You're tired, eh? Well, Senator, the question tonight is, who is the better comedian, Fred Allen or Jack Benny? I brought, I say, I brought it up in the Senate. Now watch this one, son, it's tricky. I brought it up in the Senate and it made Senator Tidings glad. Ha, 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 glad tidings, that's a pun, son. I heard it. Now, wait a minute. You're like a midget, son. Everything goes over your head. Own up, son. You got a mind like a chicken. What? A cluck, that is. <laughs> Look, Senator, just tell me which comedian you like best, Allen or Benny? Where's Allen from? Boston. How about Benny? He's from Waukegan. Waukegan's west of Boston, ain't it? Yes. Benny's the one. So long, son. So long. Remember the words of Horace Greeley. Go west, young man. West, that is. So long. So long. So long. So long. So long. So long. suppose the senator has gone back to his newspaper. He spends all night reading Westbrook Pegler. I wonder, I wonder if Dennis Day, I mean Titus Day, is at home. He's always so moody. Howdy, Bob. <laughs> well, Mr. Day, I see you're at home. Yep, day in and day out, days in. <laughs> But you say your eyes look all red. Been crying, Bob, reading a sad book. What's the title of it? Forever Amber. The title Forever Amber isn't a sad book. Tis when you're my age, Bob. very important question to ask you tonight. Who do you think is the better comedian, Fred Allen or Jack Benny? Well, Bob, that's a moot question. Moot question? Yep. Moot be Allen, moot be Benny. I see. Well, which one do you consider the better comedian? Never hear them myself. When they come on, I put my radio out in the hen house. In the hen house? Why? Steps up production. Every, every time Allen and Benny lay an egg, my hens try to match it. Really increases your egg production. Did up to last Sunday. What happened last Sunday? All my hens killed themselves straining. So long, Bob. Well, I guess Mr. Day has his troubles, just like the city folks. Let's try this next house. Pickle in the middle and the mustard on top. <laughs> just the way you like him and the whole rest Ah, Mr. Kissel. Mm hmm, you was expecting maybe Fibon McGee and Molotov? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, Mr. Kissel, how is the hot dog business? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Very good, except for one thing. Mine customers have trouble making up their minds. Making up their minds? Yeah. To what? Whether they want the pickle in the middle and the mustard on top, or the mustard in the middle and the pickle on top. 
I can see where that would pose quite a problem. Anyway, what I'm trying to find out tonight is who you think is the better comedian, Fred Allen or Jack Benny. In mine house, that is making argument. Mine wife, Tulule, is liking Fred Allen. And you? I am liking the great Gilderstein. Oh, the great Gildersleeve. Eh? Yes, when Gilderstein is broadcasting, Tulule is leaving the room. I see. When Fred Allen is broadcasting, I am leaving the room. What happens when Jack Benny is broadcasting? Mm -hmm. The radio is leaving the room. What? Pickle in the middle and the mustard on top, just the way you like him and the whole Mr. Kitzel's life would be complete if people could just make up their minds where they want the mustard. Well, here's the last house in the alley. I wonder what a knock here will bring. Greetings all, it's time for play, but Roger's here with Rondelay. <laughs> you have more poems for us tonight. Oh, indubitably. Have you heard? Said the rum to the gin, I understand you're going steady with Ravaland. No. Oh, I said to myself, this is not for me, as I picked up the dice and threw a three. No. Oh, my mother has rolled her stockings down since she heard Van Johnson is back in town. That's done. Tonight we are trying to find out who is the better comedian, Fred Allen or Jack Benny. Precisely why I'm here. I have written a poem. And what is your comedian? <laughs> <laughs> now, what? Wait till I get this on finder. What is your comedian's poem called? Allen or Benny. How does it go? Allen or Benny, the question rings, and the nation is put to a test. From city to hamlet, you hear the cry, is Allen or Benny best? Allen has bags and Benny is cheap, and they're both on Sunday night. So millions of people from coast to coast tune in to hear them fight. And I often wonder just what it means as they hurl their epitaphs. For while they're knocking each other out, Cass Daly gets all the laughs. <laughs> well, I never Rochester Openshaw. And now Phil Harris and his No Goodman Orchestra will play onesie twosie because that's as high as they can count. Take it, boys. <laughs> Jack will be back in just a minute, but first, here is my good friend, L.A. Speed Race. In a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. And Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Yes, sir. L-S-M-F-T. Yes, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. At market after market, Lucky Strike consistently selects and buys fine, light, naturally mild tobacco. This fine Lucky Strike tobacco means real deep-down smoking enjoyment for you. 
So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. The famous tobacco auctioneers heard on tonight's programmer, Mr. L.A. Speed Riggs of Goldsboro, North Carolina. And Mr. F.E. Boone of Lexington, Kentucky. At 49, 49, American. This is Basil Risedale speaking for Lucky Strike. L.S.M.F.T. 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 In a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. And Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Oh, Dennis, Dennis. Howdy, bub. We're through with that. <laughs> oh. Dennis, I just wanted to tell you that we're all very happy to have you back with us again. I'm glad to be back, Mr. Benny, and I want to thank Larry Stevens for doing such a swell job on the show while I was away. Well, we all feel the same way, Dennis. Good night, folks. Yeah, night. Hmm. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Quality of product is essential to continuing success. An outstanding example. Yes, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. L.S.M.F.T. L.S.M.F.T. Program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. gentlemen, since tonight is our last broadcast of the season, I would like to pay tribute to the star of our show. Fifteen years ago, a kind and gracious young man started his radio career at the tender age of 37. I was, I was awfully tender. And tonight, 15 years later, he's still kind, still gracious, and still 37, and here he is, Jack Benny. This is Jack Betty talking, and Don, that was a very silly statement to make. If I was 37 and that was 15 years ago, today I'd be 49. You mean 52? I can get it wholesale. <laughs> anyway, for your information, Don, when I started radio 15 years ago, I was 22. What are you talking about? I knew you then and you had gray hair. Don, I was born with gray hair. I was worried about the doctor bill. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't pay him slapping me when my back was turned. <laughs> And, Don, here's an amazing coincidence. If you read it in the story, you wouldn't believe it. After all these years, who do you think is sitting in the audience this very moment? The doctor. No, his lawyer. The case comes up in court. When... <laughs> anyway, Don, since this is the last program of the year, I've got a surprise for you. I'm giving everybody a bonus. Here's a check for you. Well, thanks, Jack. 
I know it isn't much, but it'll, well, it'll help you get back to California. This check will help me get back to California? <laughs> Turn it over, bro over, brother. There's a road map on the other side. program let's go nuts all together <laughs> Mary I'm glad you came in I was just telling Don that since this is the last program of the season I'm giving everybody in the cast a bonus oh Jack how can you afford it after that bonus you gave me last year what did he give you Mary a dozen bobby pins <laughs> you got two dozen that wasn't your fault Phil Harris got a short haircut and had no use for them <laughs> all right all right but this year it's different now here's your bonus Mary take this and go out and buy yourself a new dress here Oh, boy, a do-bill at Klein's. Hmm? Yes, sir. I got that by mentioning them on the air. Uh, when'd you do that? Just now. <laughs> but, Jack, I was the one that mentioned Klein's. Uh-oh, now they owe us another one. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, Jack. Do you mean when you mention the name of a product, they give you one free? Well, sometimes, Mary, but you have to do it cleverly. Oh. Which reminds me, Mary... On the way home, I'm going to stop at Plymouth Rock. <laughs> then I'm going to Pontiac, Michigan. <laughs> and if I can afford it, I'll take you out some night and show you how a cattle acts. Well, you certainly packed them all in. Thanks, Mary. That was a Buick. Say, Mary. Say, Mary, where are you going to spend your vacation this summer? Inside of a Longine watch. I can go along with a plug. <laughs> Just be happy with your dress. But I'm not kidding, Mary. Where are you going to spend your vacation? In, in Grand Central Station. I like peace and quiet. That joke was written 3 o'clock yesterday. <laughs> it's amazing what 24 hours can do to a gag, isn't it? Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello. Dennis, since this is the last program of the season, I thought it would be... How do you feel, Mr. Benny? Fine. Uh, Dennis, since this is the last program of the season... Are you I... having any fun, kid? <laughs> A little. Uh, Dennis, since this is the last program... What day are you going home, Mr. Benny? Wednesday. Uh, Dennis, since this is the last program... How about a bonus? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm giving every member of my cast a bonus. Oh, am I a member? <laughs> Certainly. Is that why you make me pay dues? <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. That money I deduct from your salary I'm putting away for your nest egg. My nest egg? Yeah, Mother Hen Benny will keep it warm for you. <laughs> I don't have to worry about a nest egg, Mary. I'm expecting a call from my sponsor any minute to pick up my option. Believe me, this year I'm going to be even tougher to get than last year. Yeah, you're really tough to get. Well, I was. Oh, sure. The sponsor laid the contract on the table, pointed to the dotted line, and you signed so fast you put half your name on his finger. <laughs> on his finger, on his finger, some joke. 
Now, let's get on with it. Say, this. Mr. Benny, how about my bonus? Oh, yes, I, uh... Oh, wait a minute, I just happened to think of it. I gave you your bonus yesterday. Oh, yes, I forgot. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Uh, what'd you get, Dennis? A dress at Klein's. <laughs> what? With a peekaboo waist. That's to take home to your mother. And another thing, kid, I got a surprise for you. I may be able to give you a car. A car? Yeah, a few minutes ago, I mentioned the name of a lot of automobiles, the names, and naturally, they'll all send me one. Gee, that won't work, Mr. Benny. I tried it once. I mentioned mercury. And what happened? They sent me a thermometer. <laughs> oh. So I took my temperature. It was 106. What? Boy, was I burned up. Dennis. That's a joke, son. I'm glad you told me. Now, come on, Dennis. Let's have a song, will you? Come on. Get Your Gun, sung by Dennis Day. Very good kid, and I'm happy to know that you're going to be with me next season. Mr. Benny, you tricked me into signing my contract. Tricked you? Dennis, your new contract calls for $38 a week. And that's what I'm going to pay you, $38 a week. So how did I trick you? When you held me upside down, it looked like 83. <laughs> oh, stop. Why, Jack, that's the silliest thing I ever heard of. If you wanted to trick Dennis, why didn't you hold the contract upside down? With all the pages it had, Dennis was lighter. Yeah. <laughs> so let's... All right, folks, you can drive that chair. Because Harris is sure to be back next year. I'll be here. Ladies and applause on to run me through the summer, you know. Hey, Phil, I heard that, and you don't have to worry about the summer. I'm giving you and every member of the cast a bonus. Look, Jackson, I know all about your bonuses. If you really want to do something, just give me a little raise in salary. A raise in salary? Phil, you're the only man in the country that can't strike because you know you're overpaid now. <laughs> and you can take that miner's lamp off your head. You're not fooling anybody. <laughs> I gave you a raise, I know what you do with it. Now, look, you're wrong this time, Jackson. I'm on the wagon. You're on the wagon? The trains weren't running. I had to get on something. Oh. Look, Jackson, I haven't had a drink since we've been in New York. What are you talking about? I saw you in a bar last night. You ordered a double scotch. That was to dip my tie in. Dip your tie in? I can quit drinking the stuff, but I'm not going to stop smelling it. I should have known. When you get undressed at night, you hang your clothes in the closet, put your tie in the chandelier. Hey, Phil, let me look at that tie. Is it pure silk? No, it's a blend. Now cut that out! <laughs> Imagine zipping your tie in scotch. Yes, sir, I'm the only guy in town with a wet cravat. <laughs> oh, Harris, when you leave New York, they're gonna hang all the comedians at half mast. <laughs> One they should hang, they won't. I mean, they won't. <laughs> now you know why I need a vacation. Oh, my goodness, I nearly forgot. Don, hand me that glass of water, please. I want to take this pill. Oh, here you are. Thanks. Jack, what was that pill you just took? Well, after our show tonight, I have to go over and appear on Fred Allen's program. But what was the... Benzedrine. I want to keep awake. <laughs> better off asleep. I wouldn't have to look at those bags under his eyes. <laughs> Allen's got the only face I ever saw with patch pockets. <laughs> 
You're just jealous of Fred because he's such a great ad-libber. Oh, some great ad-libber. I can ad-lib better than Alan with one writer tied behind my back. <laughs> Every week it's the same thing. Portland says, Mr. Allen, Mr. Allen, it's time to visit the alley. Shall we go? And then the genius answers. <laughs> well, Portland, as one striptease dancer said to the other, let's take off. <laughs> And those people, and those people, he, those people he meets down there, that, that Titus Moody. Howdy, bub. Dennis. <laughs> what, what people see in Alan, I don't know. He tries to read a script, the words get blocked by his nose, then they get kicked around by his tonsils, bounced off his adenoids, and because it comes out different than the way it's written, they say he ad-libs. <laughs> Believe me, I'm a better, I'm, I better, I'm better than he is. That's three betters, I'm three times as good that way. I can ad-lib. Go on, you couldn't ad-lib a yawn after a gallon of Ovaltine. <laughs> I can too. Hey, Phil, you were on Alan's program last week, weren't you? Yeah. And say, Jackson, you want to know something? What? Did you know that I found out something about Senator Claghorn? Oh, what? He's from the South. <laughs> no. So help me, Petrillo. <laughs> Thanks for telling me, Phil. Now, come on, let's have a band now. Okay. Oh, say, Jack. Jack, excuse me a minute. Yes, Don. I may not see you after the show, so I just want to say goodbye now. Don, you mean you're in such a hurry to leave on your vacation? Oh, no, no. I'm going to start my summer job for Lucky Strikes. Summer job? Another program? No, no. I'm going down to North Carolina and pick tobacco. <laughs> pick tobacco? Don, you mean our sponsor is making you do that? Oh, no, no, Jack. I begged him for the opportunity. You, you what? Just. Think of it, the whole summer, feeling those tobacco leaves. But, Don, look. That fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. But, Don, spending your whole vacation picking tobacco? That's my pleasure, Jack. Tobacco that goes into Lucky's wonderful, that makes that strike. Raise my voice and call, I can just hear you doing it. <laughs> and as I wait by the magnolia tree, yeah. from over the Everglades will come Cleo's answer. That's Chloe's. <laughs> Dan, that's the most touching thing I've ever heard. Well, Jack, I... No, 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 Don. Don't say anything to spell it. Play, Phil. <laughs> That's one on you, Jackson. This ain't even my band. These are New York boys. Well, how'd you happen to pick them up? Easy. I was just walking down the street, and they followed my tie. <laughs> oh. oh. 
turn loose, Max, not till after the show. Hmm. No matter where we go, Phil, you always get the same... I'll get it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny, this is Roger. Yes, sir. What is it, Rochester? I got your trunk all packed and loaded on the mule. Rochester, the railroad strike is over. You got the mule before the strike was on. Well, I'm taking the train. I'm kind of sorry you're not going back with me, but I'm glad you got that nice job at the Zanzibar Cafe. Oh, thanks for letting me take it, boss. Uh, but ain't I the one that's supposed to get the 90%? <laughs> yes, but I'm keeping it for you for a nest egg. Well, push the hen off. I'm hungry. <laughs> It'll be safe for me, Rochester. Don't worry. And do a good job at the Zanzibar. I will. And before I hang up, boss, I want to thank you and the cast for coming over Tuesday night. The audience sure laughed when you got up and told those jokes. Yeah. And Rochester, I bet nobody there dreamed I'd get up and play the violin. Obviously, the place was cool. <laughs> I don't know about that. They liked it. Well, by the way, boss... How did you like that routine I did about you and Mr. Allen? Well, I couldn't hear all of it. There was some guy under our table making a lot of noise. Oh, him! That was the plumber Mr. Harris hired. What? He was laying a pipeline to the bar. A pipeline? Big inch, yeah. <laughs> well, that was ridiculous. By the way, Rochester, why don't you sing that song, Accentuate the Positive? I always liked the way you did that. I did sing it. You just didn't hear me. That was when you were arguing with the waiter about the check. I wasn't arguing with him. He charged me too much for the beer, and I was just pointing out his mistake. That was no mistake. In a nice club, you don't get a nickel back on the bottle. <laughs> Clip joint. Anyway, Roger, you go on and have a good time here, and I'll see you when you get home. And by the way, I have a little bonus for you. I'll mail it to you. Never mind. I'll go down to Klein's and pick it up myself. <laughs> All right, goodbye, Rochester, and good luck. So long. All the bar, that is. Well, kids, in a few minutes, our last program will be over. And we probably won't be seeing much of each other until September. But uh, here are your assignments for this week. On Wednesday night, you must listen to the radio because Dave Rose is going to conduct his Waukegan Concerto, which is written especially for me. And next Sunday at the same time, I want you to listen to the Frank Morgan Show, which is replacing us for the summer. It's going to be great. Frank has always done a swell job, and I know he's going to be back in fine form. And now, kids, before I kiss each one of you goodbye, I want to... Come in. Well, hello, Jack. Hello, Ed. Look, kids, it's Ed Sullivan. Ed, it, it was nice of you to drop in on my last program. You know the gang, Mary, Don, Dennis, and Phil. Hello, Hello, nice to see you. Yes, Jack, I've met them all except Phil. Yeah, we ain't never had the pleasure. Well, I'll remedy that. Phil, I'd like you to meet Ed Sullivan. Ed is the famous columnist. Well, hello, Ed. When'd you leave Moscow? I said columnist. <laughs> My goodness, Phil. Uh, tell me, Ed... Ed, what's the, uh, him I'm going to have back next year? <laughs> Ed, what's the uh, occasion for this visit? Well, Jack, I came over to present you with an award. An award for me? Mm-hmm, but first I'd like to get a little interview. 
See, our readers would like to know exactly what goes on behind the scenes in a radio show. You know, who are the people behind the performance? Well, let's see. First, I must give credit to my writers. John Tackerberry, Milt Josephsberg, George Balzer, and Sam Perry. I think they're four of the smartest, cleverest, funniest, and most intelligent writers in the business. Well, Jack, it's very nice of you to say that about your boys. They wrote the line. He had to say it. <laughs> Mary. But, Ed, you can take my word for it. They're very clever. Oh, I know that, Jack, and I've heard a lot about them. Jack, isn't it true that Sam Perrin and George Balls are about the Broadway show, Are You With It? Yes, yes, they did that with my permission. And didn't John Tackerberry write that song, Pickle in the Middle? Yes, yes, he did that with my permission. And isn't your other writer, Mill Josephberg, expecting a baby soon? Yes, he... Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> if Hilda is listening, we hope she feels all right. Well, now, Jack, who are some of the other people who are important to your program? Well, there's my special assignment man, Hilliard Marks, producer Bob Ballin, musical director Malin Merrick, secretary Jane Tucker and Bert Scott, and last but not least, Herman McShaughnessy. Herman McShaughnessy? What does he do? He explains Dick Tracy to Phil Harris. Oh. <laughs> now, on the acting... On the acting side of the ledger, we have Mel Blank, who plays the part of my French violin teacher, also my parrot. Artie Auerbach, the hot dog salesman, Sarah Berner, and B. Benadera, who played the telephone operators. Dick Lane, who plays the part of Steve Bradley, my press agent. Janine Roos, who played Phil Harris's little daughter. Frank Nelson, who always pops up on the show, looks at me and says, Yes? And Joe Kearns, the keeper of my vault. Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman, who really own this program, but let me guest star on it during the weeks they're off. <laughs> My NBC engineers, George Foster and Charlie Buck, my sound men, Floyd Caton and Par Parker Cornell. And finally, Wilbur Klingenfield. Wilbur Klingenfield? He explains Dick Tracy to Herman McShaughnessy. <laughs> well, Ed, I guess that takes care of them all. Well, unless you want to mention the janitor who sweeps up after the show. <laughs> no, no, he left me and is now writing for Fred Allen. <laughs> Uh, now, Ed, how oh, about... Mr. Sullivan, would you mind putting something in your column for me? Why, not at all, Dennis. I'll be glad to. What's the occasion? My mother had a baby. Well, that <laughs> is news. When? 22 years ago. Uh, Dennis. That's his name. Oh, stop it. <laughs> now, Ed... Now, Ed, I don't want to appear anxious, but how about this award you're going to give me? Huh? Huh? Jack, let go of my lapel. Oh, oh, pardon me. I, I, no, I forgot myself. But what kind of an award is it, Ed? Well, let's call the Ed Sullivan Award for Modern Screen Magazine, Mary, and it's being given to Jack Benny because of his outstanding radio programs during the past season. Oh, Ed, that's such a thrill, really. I'm overwhelmed. I, I feel faint. Quick, Bill, let him smell your tie. <laughs> And so, Jack, on behalf of Modern Screen Magazine, it gives me great pleasure to award you this gold plaque. Gee, thanks. Jack, 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 stop biting it. It's gold. Oh, but Ed, this is a, a Modern Screen Award, and I haven't made a picture in two years. That had something to do with it, too. You know, Mary, it's really a great thrill for me to give this award to Jack because he made his very first radio appearance on my program 15 years ago. 
That's right, Mary. Uh, who sponsored that program? Well, let's see, Geraldine Hair Tonic. <laughs> Jack made his debut on a hair tonic program? On a hair tonic program? On a hair tonic program? What an opening for an actor who ain't worried about options. <laughs> Bill, one more word out of you. I'll light a match to your tie and blow you out of here. Now, quiet. Well, I guess I'd better run along, Jack. Uh, how about another game of golf tomorrow? Certainly, Ed, if you're not afraid that I'll beat you again like I did yesterday. Wait a minute. Say, Ed, did Jack really beat you at golf? Why do you think I had to give him this award? <laughs> oh, for goodness sake, Ed. It was our agreement that you weren't supposed to mention that. Now you've spilled the beans. Well, goodbye, Ed, and thanks very, very much. You're welcome, Jack, and so long. into a game of golf, maybe you'd win an Oscar. Mary, Mary, don't be so... Say, I wonder if Joan does play golf. <laughs> At the same time, again, I want to thank everybody associated with this program and also all of my listeners, even those of you who can't stand Jack Benny.
one of the old hickory singers, kiddies. The makers of Blue Bonnet Margarine and Tender Leaf Tea present the Fred Allen Show with Fred's guests, Mary Livingston's husband, Portland Harper, Minerva Pius as Mrs. Nussbaugh, Alan Reed as Falstaff Openshaw, Parker Fenley as Titus Moody, the DeMarco sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And until I start tooting the claghorn, my name is Kenny Delmar. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Shakespeare said, to be or not to be. Benjamin Franklin said, remember, time is money. But for the last eight months, all I've said is, here he is again, Fred Allen. <laughs> Thank you and good evening. Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And Kenny, I happen to overhear your opening remarks. Lad, if you are unhappy in your work... Well, how can I be happy, Fred? Every Sunday, what do I do? I have one line. Here he is again. Kenny, the man who invented the telephone only had one line when he started. <laughs> yeah, but Fred, I'm not getting any place in radio. It's the same on my other show. Oh, you're on another... Uh... The Lucky Strike program. Oh, the Lucky Strike program. What do you do on that? You know when the man says LSMFT? Yeah. Then the tobacco auctioneer says... Yacht at the yacht at the sold American. Uh huh. Then a voice says, You bet. You bet. Another voice says, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The voice that says, Yes, sir, is mine. <laughs> You're beaten down on that show, too, huh? Now, Kenny, why don't you give up that other job and just work on our show? You mean you'll pay me the extra money? No, Kenny, but I tell you what I shall do. I'll let you add the line you have on the Lucky Strike program to the line you have on our show. Put them together now and see how they sound. Here he is again. Yes, sir. How is that? Well, that's more like it, Fred. Now I've got something now, to do. As long as you're happy, Kenny. That's right. Yes, sir. Oh, Well, pardon Well, Portland, pull up an old rejoinder and sit down. What's new? Mama says President Truman has taken over all the coal mines. Does your mother need coal? Yes. Mama's calling up the White House tomorrow and ordering two tons. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Do away with the middleman. Go right to the top. <laughs> well, if she needs any wood, the president can sit down at the piano and give her a couple of chords, I imagine. <laughs> Not good. <huh? laughs> The man crept in here and did something to the script tonight. I won't mention her name. Mama says the world today is a bowling alley. The world is a bowling alley? Every time you turn around, there's a strike. <laughs> well, I'm glad that anything you don't understand, applaud. It's perfectly all right. That's what they do in Hollywood. People come in, just applaud and get warm and go home. <laughs> trains are running again, Portland. Yes, if the railroad strike lasted one more week, yeah. the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe would have been off the hip parade. Oh, that would have been good. Well, I, uh, I think I'll run along, Portland. I have to get my magnifying glass and worm a crab apple. <laughs> Mama says Friday is your birthday. That's right. How old are you? Nobody knows, Portland. I was born before the Decker Company started, so there weren't any records in those days. <laughs> Mama says... Now, don't you laugh. Don't you stop. 
You're going to establish a precedent in here. I want to know about it. Come to me. Mama says last year when the candles on your birthday cake melted down... Yeah? There was enough grease to wax the floor at Roseland. Oh, I'm, I'm not that old, Portland. Mama says if you were a piece of furniture, you'd be an antique. Yeah. <laughs> if I was an antique in radio, I'd be Duncan's other fife. Well... Life, I guess, Portland. Mama says life is like the Australian fig bird. The Australian fig bird? It lives on the seeds and figs. But there aren't any figs in Australia. The Australian fig bird dies at birth. And the Australian fig bird has nothing on our jokes. Let me I think we'd better get along to Alan's Alley, Portland. What is your question tonight? Well, recently, a Mr. Ralph Slater, a specialist in mental suggestion, made a phonograph record that he guarantees will put any insomniac to sleep. And so our question is, do you have any trouble sleeping? And if you do, what are you doing about it? Shall we go? As the dollar dinner said when the glutton sat down, I'll be gone in a minute. <laughs> It's so good to get back to Allen's Alley, Portland. It's as quiet as a needle coiling in a bucket of whipped cream. <laughs> Say, I wonder, I wonder if the senator is in. Let's knock. Somebody, I say, somebody knock. Yes, Clag I am. Claghorn's your name, Senator Claghorn, that well, is. Look, I know. Something tells me you don't remember me, son. Look, I remember I'm you. I'm from the South. The Poon and Possum Paradise. Now, look, Senator. The only plant life I have around my house is a Virginia creeper. Now, wait a Every minute. Every time I get chicken pox, they're southern fried. <laughs> Senator. Remember me now, son? No. Don't say no in my presence. Why not? And oh, that's North abbreviated. <laughs> Wait a minute, Senator. What about this sleeping problem? When I, I say, uh, when I first went to the Senate, I had plenty of trouble sleeping. You, uh... After the roll was called, I'd put on my sail-sucker nightshirt and yeah. my Lindsay Woolsey beret. Yeah? Yeah, I'd face the South, lean back, close my eyes... And go to sleep, huh? Until some Yankee pigeon plucker would get up, start flapping his lips, and break up my Morpheus filibuster. <laughs> filibuster, that I is. Know. Heard you the first time, Senator. Are you still uh, losing sleep, Senator? No, I've solved my problem, son. How? When I'm ready to sleep in the Senate, I sit back and croon myself my southern lullaby. What is your southern lullaby? Rock-a-bye, small fry on the cotton treetop. When the southern wind blows, your cradle will rock. When the wind's from the north, I say, baby, you'll ball. For down will come cradle tree and you all. Well, very good, Senator. Go on. Go on. Go on. Well, the Senator stopped just in time. I was dozing off myself. Now, I wonder how Titus Moody is doing. Moody, bub. <laughs> To sound like Dennis Day, Titus. <laughs> Do you have any trouble sleeping? I only half sleep. Half sleep? I got short eyelids. <laughs> With short eyelids, you can't close your eyes, eh? Only when I frown. 
Oh, I see. Well, are you the only one awake on the farm? No, daylight saving time has got everything in a swivet. The animals are bewildered? Yeah, my cow had insomnia. Your cow didn't sleep at all? The bags under her eyes were so big, I didn't know which end to milk. You were confused, eh? Yeah, first time I milked the wrong end and got two buckets full of homogenized tears. Have you cured the cow's insomnia? I got a book on hypnotizing. Good. I stood in front of the cow. Yeah. I stared right into her eyes. Uh-huh. I started waving with my hands. Uh-huh. I said, Alakazam, Alakazam, you ain't a cow, you're a hen. You're a, you're a hen. Well, was your hypnotism a success? Yeah. Today, that cow thinks she's a hen. Well, how do you know? Well, she's sitting on a nest. You mean? She's laying eggnogs. Come on, this next door here. No. Oh, Mrs. Nussbaum. You are expecting maybe Hoagy Carbuncle. <laughs> Tell me, Mrs. Ann, do you have trouble sleeping? Who could sleep? Every night with his dreaming, my husband Pierre is waking me up. He dreams, huh? Always he has different things. Dreams he's different things? How do you mean? One night Pierre is dreaming he is the lone stranger. Yeah. He's yelling, hi-ho, Silver. Hi-ho, Silver, huh? Upstairs is living a Mr. Silver. Yeah. <laughs> All night, he is yelling back, hi-ho, Nussbaum. I, uh, I see. One night, Pierre is dreaming he is an automobile, a roadster. A roadster? In his pajamas, Pierre is sleeping with the top down. Oh. Fine. Once he is dreaming he is an Alka-Seltzer. An Alka-Seltzer? All night, Pierre is fizzing. Well, no wonder. No wonder you can't sleep. Last night, he should drop dead. What, what happened? He is dreaming he is a tea kettle. A tea kettle, huh? All night long, Pierre is whistling. Whistling? In the morning when he is waking... Yeah? In bed with Pierre is 20 dogs. <laughs> well, that, uh, that brings us to the lavender shanty at the end of the alley. Let's try here. You knocked three times. Do you think that's nice? In my last picture, the postman rang twice. <laughs> Falstaff, you have new poems tonight? Indubitably. <laughs> Hast heard, said the little bear to the big giraffe, let's see the hyena just for a laugh? No. Or, uh, when I called her baby, her face lit up because she had a lantern jaw? No. <laughs> How about this? Mother's home putting spikes in her shoes. She's playing first base for Vera Cruz. Now, wait a minute, Falstaff. <laughs> you exponent of the hackney, tonight we are discussing the problem of sleep. My poem awaits your bidding. And what is your shut-eye sonata called? My recipe for slumber. How does it eat? If you cannot sleep at night and you don't know what to do, my recipe for slumber is just the thing for you. Don't waste time taking powders. Don't bother counting sheep. Don't dawdle in a hot bath hoping you will sleep. But don't give up drinking coffee. Don't send for any gland man. You can eat and drink all night, and still you'll meet the sandman. My recipe for slumber is older than the Sphinx. Just cut 20 tiddlies into halves 
and you'll get 40 weeks. Well, thank you. And as far as that runs for cover, we turn to greet the DeMarco sisters. Accompanied by maestro Al Goodman and his I haven't got a joke for them this week, Philharmonic, the DeMarco sing, Doing What Comes Naturally. <laughs> A simple suggestion. A suggestion about something good to eat makes us all take notice, so here's one for the book. Be smart when you spend your food dollars, ladies. Get the most for your money. Get Blue Bonnet Margarine, for it gives you flavor, nutrition, economy. All three. Yes, not just one, not just two, but all three. You get flavor, delicious flavor, fresh, delicate, country sweet. The fussiest eater in your family will tell you, gee, Mom, this tastes swell. Blue Bonnet brings you proved nutrition, too. It's rich in food energy, rich in vitamin A. As for economy, you'll find Blue Bonnet saves you real money. Costs just about half as much as an expensive table spread. And remember, Blue Bonnet margarine is a product of the makers of Fleischmann's yeast, so you know it's pure, fresh, dependable. These days, your grocer doesn't always have Blue Bonnet, for there's an acute shortage of table spreads, but keep asking. He'll have it. And when he does, grab it. Remember the letters F-N-E for flavor, nutrition, economy. Blue Bonnet Margarine gives all three. Flavor, nutrition, economy. That was just a short order of Who Do You Love, I Hope, played by Maestro Al Goodman and his 40 men who... This is Studio 16, hey, wait a minute, folks. wait a minute. This glass booth is the control room. Say, just a minute. That little man with the mildew on him is the vice president. Say, wait a minute. What is this? This is a Radio City 60-cent tour. Okay, folks, let's get going. Hey, wait a minute. I got a stowaway here. A stowaway in a tour? Only 15 people paid. Now I got 60. Who would be low enough to sneak into a tour to save 60 cents? There's the guy. Hey, you. Who, me? Jack Benny. Take your hand off my car. Put me down. Yes, guide. 
Put Mr. Benny down. I'll give you the 60 cents. Wait a minute, Fred. Wait a minute. Put that money away. But, Jack, I've only seen half the tour. Well, Jack... <laughs> give him 30 cents. Here you are, guys. Thanks. Follow me, folks. Now, on your right is a water cooler. <laughs> well, Fred, it was nice of you to pay that 30 cents. Oh, it was nothing. Nothing, he says. 30 cents. Jack, how can you be so cheap? All right, go ahead. Be like the other radio comedians. Tell some cheap jokes. Say I'm tighter than the skin on Sidney Greenstreet's hip. <laughs> I squeeze a nickel so hard the E pluribus laughs over the unum. Tell him. Well, Jack, I didn't... Oh, start insulting me after I made a, a special trip up here just to say goodbye before I leave for Hollywood. Well, Jack, I... All of a sudden, I'm cheap. I won't even eat in the sun. My shadow might ask me for a bite. Tell him. Your shadow has teeth? <laughs> Jack, don't... Jack, don't get excited. Look, if you're cheap, you're cheap. That's the way I look at it. Some people save asparagus ends. It's a hobby. My hobby is not spending. Well, Jack, if there ever was a time that you and I should not argue, this is the time. What do you mean, this is the time? Well, a lot of, haven't you heard? A lot of the radio programs that have been on for many years have been canceled. They're, they'll not be back on the air next fall. Well, that's radio, Fred. It's dog-eat-dog. Dog. I always say, only the fit survive. Oh, how true. By the way, you, uh, you finished tonight, didn't you? Yes, sir. Tonight was my last show of the season. Did your sponsor mention anything about your program coming uh, back in October? Well, no, no, Fred, but we have a mutual understanding. You see, we always sort of take it for granted. Oh. The season ends, the sponsor shakes hands with me, and then we... Yikes! <laughs> Jack. <clears throat> Jack, what's, what's wrong? Tonight he didn't shake hands. Well, that's what happened to the street singer. <laughs> At the end of the year, his sponsor used to wink. One year, he didn't wink. The street singer was back in the street. But Fred, why should my sponsor want to get rid of me? Well, I'm funnier than I was when I started, and I'm getting less money. Really? Some weeks when he's short, I take tobacco. <laughs> I hate well, to get these big laughs on your program. I <laughs> Let's face it, Jack. Radio needs new blood. Who knows? We, we, we may be through. I've been on radio 14 years. They can't throw me aside like an old shoe. But, Jack... 14 years. And now, like an old shoe. But, Jack, you with that hmm and yipe, 14 years is a long time. Fred, <laughs> what has Mark Perkins got that I haven't got? Only longer commercials. <laughs> well, Jack, you know how it is in radio. Today you're a star. Tomorrow, Ralph Edwards is hitting you in the face with a pie. Like an old shoe. Well, cheer up, Jack. At least we have our memories. We've known each other for 30 years. Yep. The first time I met you, Fred, I was just a kid in school. A diller, a dollar, a 10 o'clock scholar. You were the only 10 o'clock scholar I ever saw with 5 o'clock shadow. <laughs> How I could use some of that fuzz today. <laughs> I could use a good joke today, too. The next time we met, we were in Vaudeville, remember? You were doing a musical act. Playing the violin. What a finish I had. When I played Glowworm, my violin lit up. 
With those neon strings, it was beautiful. Fred, remember my encore? Encore? Remember I'd put the violin bow in my teeth, bend the crab, and play Listen to the Mockingbird? And as you bent the crab, two mockingbirds flew out of the back of your pants. I stopped every show. <laughs> Except this one. Remember the closing... one stopped five minutes before I got on it. <laughs> remember, remember that week in Needles, Arizona, the closing act, Cohen's Camels. Cohen's? No, no, the I The closing don't. act. Jack, how could you forget Cohen's Camels? <laughs> Cohen, I remember. My sponsor told me to forget that other word. <laughs> Those were the happy days. The next time I saw you, you were just going into radio. Radio. I remember the morning Marconi called me up. <laughs> Marconi? Marconi and Singing Sam had a little radio station in a doorway down on the east side. The antenna was a Western Union boy holding a wire. Well, I guess the jokes don't fit. Me. No, they don't. The antenna. When did I ever say antenna on my old show? Well, it's all over, Jack. We've come to the end of the rainbow. Like an old shoe. Like a, there it is again. <laughs> Been on ten minutes already. I've only had it's an old shoe. Oh, I forgot antenna. Yeah. Yeah. We ought to get a boot out of that old shoe by now. Oh, I'm sorry I brought it back in again. Seems like only yesterday I ran into the May Company and said, Mary, stop demonstrating that Brillo. That's another word I don't know. It goes we're on top to of work. an antenna. A brillo fits on an antenna. <laughs> Cheer up, Jack. When, you when you're retired, you can tune in on my program. Your program? You mean you're not getting thrown out of radio, too? Well, why should I? Listen, if my program is old stuff, you with that broken-down Alan's Alley. No, well, wait, I mean my new show. New show? Uh, people don't want entertainment today. A radio show has to give away things. Nylons, iceboxes, automobiles. You mean to stay on the air, you have to give things away? Free? Yes. <laughs> I'll die first. <laughs> well, not me. I'm auditioning my new program tonight. And you're, Fred, you're giving things away? Tons of stuff. To strangers? What's the difference who gets it? <laughs> well, Fred, as long as I'm here in the studio... Well, no, I'm sorry, Jack. Professional... <laughs> Professional people cannot participate. It's a rule. But uh, don't you ever find people on these programs changing their names to, to get something for nothing? Well, occasionally we do catch a phony, but we're on the air. What can we do? Nothing. You, you have to give them the merchandise? That's right. Hmm. <laughs> now, Mr. Allen, we're ready for your audition. I'll run along, Fred. So long. So long, Jack. Hmm. Giving away things for nothing. <laughs> well, all right, Mr. Goodman. Let's try out my new show. <laughs> Would you like to be king for a day? Ah! And here he is, the man who will change one of you nobodies into king for a day, the old kingmaker himself, Red Allen. Thank you, and good evening. Did all you folks in the audience like those $1,000 bills you found on your seats when you came in? Good, and if you want more, there'll be a big bag of money at the door. On your way out, help yourselves. But the stage is loaded with hundreds of presents for the first man to answer our jumbo jackpot question. He will be king for a day. And here is our first eager contestant. Good evening, sir. What is your name? Abner Plog. 
Uh, Mr. Flog, how old are you? I'm 98. Nine, 98 years old. And don't pin no orchid onto me. No, uh, no orchid, eh? That's how I lost my wife. On a quiz program? Yeah. My wife was 102. The fella pinned an orchid onto her. I see. The weight of the orchid bent my wife over and snapped her spine. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, my wife won first prize, but she never knew it. Well, all right, Mr. Flog. Now for our question. You may be king for a day. I don't think I'll last through the day. <laughs> all right, we'll hurry. Tell me, who was the sixth president of the United States? The sixth? There were three names. Mary Margaret McBride. Oh, Sorry, Mr. Flog, but for making such a swell try, here is a gift certificate presented at LaGuardia Airfield, and you will get a brand new B-29 and a polka dot form-fitting parachute. Happy landing, Mr. Flog. And here is our next potential king for a day. Your name, sir? Myron Proudfoot. <laughs> You look like a chap I know. I'm not interested in your friends. Start giving things away, brother. <laughs> what is your occupation, Mr. Proudfoot? I'm a chaplain in a bakery. What does a chaplain do in a bakery? I put wings on angel cake. <laughs> How long have you been in the cake business, Mr. Proudfoot? Long enough to know a crumb when I see one. <laughs> I see one. Don't get sarcastic, Mr. Proudleg. The name is Proudfoot, and make with the question. All right. Who is the sixth president of the United States? John Quincy Adams. John Quincy Adams is correct, and Mr. Myron Proudfoot is king for a day. <laughs> Folks, here he is, King Proudfoot. Well, Your Majesty, how do you feel? Never mind how I feel. What do I get? Well, first... <laughs> First, for His Majesty from Schnook Sport Nook, a genuine nose flash, beaver board, canoe paddle. Here's a canoe paddle? Oh, boy! <laughs> and with the compliments of Tiffany's, this chromium pitchfork. For me, a four-pronger, and it's all mine. <laughs> and from Hemingway's hardware store, 200 pounds of self-hardening putty for King for a day. Just what I need. Just what I need. This is just the beginning, King. King, you are over 35. By two years. Fine. That jumbo cotton, Uncle Jim, for his majesty. He is over... Effie, Effie, that's what? yipe backwards. <laughs> And here, the piston rod from a genuine Baldwin locomotive, or His Majesty the King. Small <laughs> locomotive. And here, from Melody Lane Music Shop, this case of 2,000 soybean mandolin picks. These are the mandolins. I just keep pinching myself to believe it. Immediately after this program, Your Majesty will be guest of honor at a banquet at Hamburger Heaven. Tomorrow morning, through the courtesy of the sanitation department, you will be guest conductor on the 11-5 garbage run through the Bronx. <laughs> At night, in your ermine robe, you will be whisked by bicycle to Orange, New Jersey, where you will be the judge in a chicken cleaning contest. I'm king for a day! make you look like a king. Sam of Sam's Super Shoe Shine Stand is here to brush your shoes. All right, Sam. 
Watch out for the button. Next, the president of the Busy Bee Hat Cleaners is here to block your hat. Take the king's hat, Mr. Bumble. And change the newspaper in the hat band. <laughs> your suit is a little baggy, King. Boys, take his majesty's coat off. On our stage, we have a Hoffman pressing machine. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. An expert operating the Hoffman pressing machine will press your trousers. Now, wait a minute. The iced tea season is here. Time to enjoy iced tender leaf tea, one of summer's main attractions. Yes, iced tea is raised to its ultimate best by the use of this richer blend. In fact, the iced tea season has played a big part in making tender leaf tea so famous for flavor. Flavor means more, it's more important through the summer months. So everybody sets out to get all the flavor going, and that leads straight to tender leaf tea for finer flavor and more ice. In spite of melting ice, the richer goodness of tender leaf tea persists. The last swallow of the grass is still delicious, still flavorful tender leaf tea. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. Jaws Professional 102, Windows M, Desktop, FS Reap, Fibermic App, Friday Night Enter, Friday Beat of C, Cathy and Delia C, Cavalcade C, Chesterfield Supper Enter, Chester, Chesterfield Supper Club 4512, Chesterfield Supper Club 451, Chesterfield Supper Club 481207, Epst, Dorothy Lamer, Hostess Peggy Lee, Chesterfield Supper Club 481208, Epst, Perry Como. Chesterfield Supper Club 481210 Epst's Chesterfield Supper Club 481210 Epst's Chesterfield Supper Club 481213 Epst's Chesterfield Supper Club 481213 Epst's Chesterfield Chesterfield Supper Club 481210 Epst's Chesterfield Supper Club 4 Chesterfield Supper Club 481213 Epst's Enter. Five nights a week with America's greatest singing stars, Perry Como, Joe Stafford, Peggy Lee, and featuring the Mills Brothers, the Fontaine Sisters, the Starlighters, and the orchestras of Mitchell Ayers, Dave Barber, and Paul Weston. All brought to you by the milder cigarette, Chesterfield. A. Always milder. B. Better this is Martin Block speaking for our more than 6,000 wholesale distributors and over a million retail outlets all over America who always have Chesterfields on hand for you. And now, friends, here's the star of our show, Perry Como. 
Supper Clubbers, it sure is a pleasant surprise seeing so many of you back at the club after a weekend of Christmas shopping. I wonder how that fellow made out who was trying to get that Christmas tree into the subway. Well, maybe he'll be here a little later tonight, so we'll start off kind of slow and uh, let him catch up to us. Thank you. 
thing I'm sane enough to say Except my darling, my darling Get used to that name of my darling It's Which one? The text one, Terry. We gotta put shoes on Terry. How old is Terry, anyhow? About 30 or so. Well, what do you know? Terry is a big boy now. They watch him in the dairy. And whenever he milks the cow, he's a crooning a song and a milk your tater trap, Ma. Here comes Terry now. My darling, my darling, I just want to call you my darling. Hey, son, uh, your pa and me and Ma and me has been jawing about you. <laughs> uh, beg your pardon? Your Ma and me has been jawing about oh. you. Well, uh, what's the matter, Pa? Here's to us, you're crazy in the head, son. Oh, shucks. Ain't that at all, Ma. It's, uh, it's love. Love? He means he's sparking, Pa. Oh, well, that's different. Oh, here comes my girlfriend now, Ma. Let's get a load of this. Nature boy! <laughs> oh, my Myrna Lloyd. Pa, look at her hugging Terry. My crickety, she sure knows how. Oh, kiss me, Terry. I'm scared. <laughs> you might set fire to my beard. Oh, that's settled. If the darn fool critter's gonna get wet, we gotta put shoes on him. We gotta put shoes on Terry. Oh, no, you won't, you won't, you won't. I got them all three in no house. Have to tell him, him, huh? But you gotta have him, son, when you take the marriage vow. Oh, no, they ain't necessary. And uh, I don't like him anyhow. She was, how do you suppose that she can tickle my toes <laughs> if I gotta put my shoes on now? Now look here, Terry, obey your paw, for to carry shoes in town. Cutest shoes you ever saw. Yep, one is black and color is brown. Now, Ma, get our <laughs> relations. Cause Terry may begin a row. Took his uncles and aunts to put him into pants. And we gotta get the shoes on now somehow. We gotta get the shoes on now. Come here, son. Oh, now, I ain't gonna do it, Ma. I don't wanna put those shoes on no how. And you ain't gonna get me to wear Hey, come shoes. back here. Come back, I you say. Come on, gal. Let's get, get out of here. Boy, he's a
there, but I won't put on no socks. buttoning those shoes up on, Perry. Let's take a look, friends, at the things that count in a cigarette. Now, you know that a cigarette is made of tobacco and paper, but it's important for you to know that Chesterfield gives you long, clean, even burning shreds of the world's best tobacco and pure, white, tasteless paper, the world's finest cigarette paper. Truly a right combination of the things that count in a cigarette. The reason why we say the best cigarette for you to smoke is Chesterfield's. Now, when I tell you the Chesterfields are milder, much milder, and that you can buy them in the gay red and green Christmas cart with Santa Claus there to carry your Christmas greetings, say, I'm sure you'll agree with the lovely star of 20th Century Fox Studios, Maureen O'Hara, who last Tuesday night said, in person, the studio, at home, wherever I go, I go for Chesterfields. Supper clubbers, they're tops because Chesterfields are always milder, better tasting, and cooler smoking. That's why in my home I always serve Chesterfields. So, friends, for your greater smoking pleasure and for every name on your Christmas list, Chesterfields in the gay Christmas carton. Yes, the best cigarette for you to smoke, the best cigarette for you to give, is the milder cigarette, Chesterfields. <laughs> Oh. 
Here's a special announcement for our Los Angeles friends who hear us on KFI. As always, at 9 each night, Chesterfield brings you the Supper Club and the Frost Warnings during the citrus season. And brand new, starting tonight here on KFI, Chesterfield also brings you a rebroadcast of the Complete Supper Club at 11.30. This is Terry Como saying good night for... This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Chesterfield Supper Club 481215 XPerry Chesterfield Supper Club 481215 Enter. It's showtime at the Chesterfield Supper Club on the air five nights a week with America's greatest singing stars. Perry Como, Joe Stafford, Peggy Lee, and featuring Arthur Godfrey, the Mills Brothers, the Fontaine Sisters, the Starlighters, and the orchestras of Mitchell Ayers, Dave Barber, and Paul Weston. All brought to you by the milder cigarette, Chesterfield. A. Always milder. B. Better tasting. C. Cooler smoking. A, B, C. This is Martin Block speaking for more than 6,000 wholesale distributors and over a million retail outlets all over America who always have Chesterfields on hand for you. And now, friends, here's the star of our show, Mr. Perry Como. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Hey, Perry, what's the matter? Didn't you get any sleep last night? Oh, you know, Martin, Christmas shopping. Oh, I get it. Uh, tell me, Martin, is that uh, Mitch up there? Boy, you must be sleepy. Don't tell me you don't recognize Mitch Ayers. Hmm. Doesn't look any different. Look, Perry, what are you mumbling about? You know, Martin, I took a nap a little while ago. Mm -hmm. Must have had a dream. I was dreaming, uh, it was the night before Christmas. I remember looking out the window and thinking, Oh, the weather outside is frightful, But the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show a sign of stopping, and I brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. When we finally kiss goodnight. How I hate going out in the storm But if you really hold me tight All the way home I'll be warm The fire is slowly dying And my dear, we're still goodbying But as long as you love me so Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow and then what happened, Perry? Well, Martin, I guess it was the Christmas poem that started it, but my dream was all in rhyme. 
Now, let me think. How do we start? It was ten days before Christmas, and all through the club, not a creature was stirring, except for... Hey, Bob, where do you want this package should go? It's addressed to a guy by the name of Como. Hey, look at me, Marge. What do you know? I just found the mistletoe. But actually, all was confusion and turmoil inside because everyone here had a present to hide. Then out from the kitchen there came such a clatter and ran to the hall to see what the matter. I'll bet it's Santa and he's trying to hide. Our three little Fontaine sisters cried. What really happened was a very different case. It seems someone was chasing our cook around the place. I can't tell you who, but it must have been some race. Until Cookie slammed the door and mussed up his face. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. <laughs> my two front teeth. See my two front teeth. <laughs> Gee, if I could only have my two front teeth, then I could wish you Merry Christmas. <laughs> well, as it turned out, Cookie was just being a little coy. Because being chased by Mitch really brought her great joy. I'm sure Cookie could have no remorse. He's handsome. And besides, he eats like a horse. <laughs> She gave him some food, Mitch packed it away. And that gave him the strength for a Christmas belly. sound that loud in my dream. Then in my dream, what do you suppose was revealed? 
by a jolly old soul from Chesterfield. By his warm, friendly voice and a glance at the clock, I knew in a moment it was our Martin Block. Yeah, when I talk about Chesterfields, it's always in prose, but if it's poetry you want, well, Barry, here goes. The things that count in a cigarette are in Chesterfields for sure. Long, clean shreds of fine tobacco and paper, tasteless and pure. A right combination of the things that count make Chesterfields much milder and Christmas sales mount. That swell Christmas carton so cheery and gay will make everyone happy come next Christmas Day. Now, Kirk Douglas is starring in My Dear Secretary, a United Artist release that's light and airy, and in person, he told us, my friends will all get Christmas cartons of Chesterfields. They're my cigarette. Well, there it is, Perry, and as I say goodbye, make yours Chesterfields, friends, because they satisfy Well, this was quite a dream, as you can very well see. Now, what was it the Fontaine sisters did with me? Uh, oh, I know. Right after those words by Dear Martin Block, we teamed up for a song that made the club slightly rock. you love me and I believe that you do this little bird told me I was fallen fallen for no one but you there's no use denying I might as well confess of all the girls I know, dear, I'm sure I love you best. A little bird, a little bird. told me we'd be happy. We'd be happy. And I believe that it's true. Yes, a little bird, a little told bird. me we'll be married. We'll be married. And I believe that it's true. Yes, it's true. This little bird also told me when we marry We'll have a pretty cottage not too far All fenced in like a movie star Great Dane Pup, we'll call him Ace Lying there by the fireplace And a goldfish pond and wishing well Everything is gonna turn out swell A little bird After that, as I remember my dream, everyone had a smile as we decked out the club in holiday style. Bundles of holly were hung by the band, while the tinsel was spread by the girl's dainty hand. Mitch Martin and I chimed in with a zest, tacking up mistletoe where it would serve best. Then we hung up the lights and spread snow by the barrel, as all through the club went the sound of a carol. 
That was my dream ten nights before Christmas. Well, the story's been told and the music put away. Except for this jingle, then we'll call it a day. A. Always milder. B. Better tasting. C. Cooler smoking. A. B. C. Here's a special announcement for our Los Angeles friends who hear us on KFI. As always, at 9 o'clock each night, Chesterfield brings you the Supper Club and the Frost Warnings during the citrus season. And brand new, starting this week here on KFI, Chesterfield also brings you a rebroadcast of the Complete Supper Club at 11.30. This is Perry Como saying goodnight for Chesterfield. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Windows M, desktop, folder view, L, live shows folder. Enter, live shows folder, items view, hit parade. L. Larry King, enter, Larry, Larry King 820, Larry, Larry, Larry King 830, Larry, Larry, Larry King 86, Milton Burl. Larry King 860416, Jimmy Stewart, enter. For five hours, Larry King show tonight, actor Jimmy Stewart is a special guest. And we'll see you back here tomorrow night, about 8 o'clock, here on The Game Show, on The Great Entertainer. You're listening to KFI 640. This year, celebrating 64 years of service to Southern California. KFI Whereabouts of Gaddafi a mystery? Bombs kill 27 Syrian army cadets. With Mutual News, I'm Mike McCleskey. Libyan TV broadcast a speech by Muammar Gaddafi last night, but there's no good information on just where the Libyan leader is. In the meantime, speculation continues on what could have caused damage in the residential area of Tripoli during American airstrikes. Defense Secretary Casper Weinberger says one thing might be armament from the missing American F-111. Planes go very rapidly, nine miles a minute, and, and uh, it was a mile away from the, from the target. Uh, there could have been anyone who could have come from the, from the plane that is missing. We just don't have any idea. And, and again, those are just, just guesses. Navy pilots are speculating the damage was done by Libyan missiles, which missed the planes and fell back in the city. Lebanese radio is reporting that bombs went off aboard Syrian army buses, killing at least 27 army cadets and injuring many others. Damascus has yet to comment about the explosions, and so far, there's been no claims of responsibility. More news in a moment. From the origin to sales, tens of thousands of diamonds set in rings of 14 karat gold. Zales' great acquisition of astonishing values from $199 to $9,000 from the world's leading jeweler. Our purchase could be the diamond opportunity of your lifetime. Seize it. The event ends April 26th. Purex, America's first choice in value, brings you... What are we giving away? Send us two proofs of purchase from Purex products and get free one gallon of Purex bleach. Wow! Bill, we're also giving away over $5 of valuable coupons for other great products. And what should our listeners do? Look for the Purex free bleach ad in their April 20th Sunday newspaper or check the display at their participating supermarkets for all the details. It's the great Purex giveaway where everyone's a winner. 
Republicans made a turnabout in the House yesterday, voting against the Condra aid package the president wants for Nicaraguan rebels. Mutual correspondent Al Freeman explains the maneuvering. Supporters of the Contra aid say they have the votes to pass it in the House if it's a simple yes or no vote on the rebel assistance alone. They led the fight to kill the Contra aid for the time being because it was attached to a catch-all spending bill that may never become law. They want to bring the issue up again by itself, perhaps in mid-May. Republicans need 218 signatures on a petition to force the Democratic leadership to bring the Contra aid bill up for a vote on its own. The President's Commission on the Challenger disaster got a look at that piece of rocket booster where the problem may have started for the doomed space shuttle. Dr. Richard Feynman with the Commission was at Marshall Space Flight Center in Alabama. I don't believe it's ever going to be possible to determine exactly which of those different things caused the actual accident. But I don't believe we need to really know that. What we really have to know is what the weaknesses of the joint are so that in a new design we know what to get rid of. Feynman says that the NASA investigation has been revealing what those weaknesses are. Stalin's daughter, who had defected to the West and returned to the Soviet Union, has left again. Svetlana Aleluyeva flew from Moscow to Zurich early today, where she'll take a plane on to Chicago. Aleluyeva's daughter had left earlier to go back to school in Britain. Accused Nazi war criminal John Demyanyuk, who was taken to Israel from the United States to stand trial, will be allowed to have an American lawyer. Israel's justice minister says special circumstances justify the appointment. Irish police say they believe they've rounded up everyone involved in the kidnapping of a member of the wealthy Guinness Brewing family. Jennifer Guinness was released unharmed early yesterday. This is Mutual News. Morning came, afternoon went, evening arrived, I was spent. Boss says to work some overtime, I say, boss gotta be at school by nine. Boss is looking nasty and mean, so I reach in my pocket for Cafedrine. Cafedrine, stimulant capsules, maximum strength, time release. Next thing I know, work's all done. I'm heading to school on Highway 1, feeling bright, feeling keen, thanks to the help from Cafedrine. Keeps you sharp, know what I mean? Cafedrine, for occasional use as directed. we can all sink our teeth into. It's time to vote for the perfect cheeseburger. Now you can elect the cheeseburger of your choice. The Cheddar Burger, the Swiss Burger, Colby Monster. Stop by your participating grocery store. It's going on right now. And cast your vote for the perfect cheeseburger. Sponsored by the American Dairy Association. Mike McCleskey. Mutual News. You're listening to The Larry King Show here on The Great Entertainer all across Western America. Western America's most powerful radio station, KFI. Hi there. We're Lovin' and Barkley with another KFI programming note. Hey, isn't it great how everybody is discovering that KFI is the place to win money and oodles of it, too. You see, every hour, Monday through Friday, 6 in the morning till 6 p.m., with the song of the hour. Well, that means a lot of winners, too. As a matter of fact, no other L.A. radio station is making more winners every day than KFI. So keep listening to win your share with the song of the hour. And good luck from Roman and Barkley and from KFI.
Live from the nation's capital, it's The Larry King Show, America's favorite talk program. The Larry King Show comes to you via the Mutual Broadcasting System, providing you the opportunity to talk directly with Larry and his guests. Now, radio's most talked about interviewer and the host of our program, Larry King. Thank you very much. It's good to be back with you in Washington after our two-night uh, sojourn to Dallas, an eventful trip. We'll talk about it later. Uh, this is the Larry King Show. We are with you every night, uh, Monday through Friday, from Hawaii to the Virgin Islands, from Canada through to Mexico. We feature outstanding guests, interviews, and your phone calls. Our new station this week is WHBY AM in, Wapp in Appleton, Wisconsin. It's great to welcome them aboard. We have two outstanding guests tonight. First, in a moment, we'll meet the great Jimmy Stewart, a legend in American film and theater. And five of his great films have been uh, released by MCA for home video consumption. Jimmy will be talking with us from our Westwood One uh, studios in Los Angeles. In the second hour, we'll meet Victor Kayam, the famed Victor Kayam, the man who bought the company. Uh, his new book is Going For It, How to Succeed as an Entrepreneur. Mr. Kayam is a man whose television commercials you're very familiar with. He used a Remington shaver one day and bought the whole company. A uh, couple of uh, reminders, and we'll talk with Jimmy Stewart tomorrow night. Steve Mason is with us. He's dubbed as the poet of Vietnam. His new song is his new book is called Johnny's Song. Friday night, we'll come to you from Caesar's Palace in Atlantic City. That is open to the public, and if you're living in the Philadelphia, New York, Washington, Baltimore area, heading for Atlantic City this weekend, you can come watch the show. We're going to have a special lounge all to us. So I think it's the Forum Lounge, is it? I forgot the name. But uh, we're there where there'll be signs. Uh, Bobby Rydell, Frankie Avalon, Fabian, and Chuck Van Joan will make a special trip in for the program as well. So that is open to the public Friday night from Caesars Palace in Atlantic City. Then we're going to get back here real quick for National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoff action as the Caps will be home with the Rangers. We welcome to our microphones, and indeed a great pleasure to welcome to our microphones from our Westwood One studios in Los Angeles, the great Jimmy Stewart. Uh, Jimmy, this is Larry King in Washington. It's an honor to have you on this program. Well, thank you very much. It's an honor for me to be here. How do you feel? You sound like the Jimmy Stewart of old. How do you feel? Well, I feel pretty good, considering. <laughs> the alternative. <laughs> I always, I always, in the last few years, I have to sort of add that when I say, when somebody asks how I feel. Was there ever a chance that you were going to be an architect? Uh, oh, I think so. I think so. Uh, up, up after I graduated, uh, I was sure I was going to be an architect. As a matter of fact, I, I had a, I had a scholarship to uh, go to graduate school and uh, and get my master's in in architecture. But uh, through a whole lot of things, I got mixed up with acting in the sort of in the the summer between the time I graduated and the time I was going to graduate school. And that acting bud, when it, when it bites you, it really bites you. The late Henry Fonda told many stories about you. Uh, are, are there no regrets over not? Do you still look at buildings and say how you would have designed them? Uh, not so much how I would have designed them, but I think I've, the studying of architecture and everything may, made me a critic. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think about that, but I just say, uh, that's wrong, that's wrong, I think, or that's very good, and so on. We will discuss these films, though. First of all, what do you think, Jimmy, of the, this revolution that's occurred in, in this business of uh, the home video field? 
Well, I, I just think that it's a, a, a it's something that that has developed. I think uh, they uh, going going way back to radio, going way back bef b before radio to the stage and before I, I I think it's 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 a development. It's it's something new. Do you like and it? Yes, I, I I think it's it's going to take its place as a very important part of uh, show business in general. The five films released by MCA that are now available to home video uh, fans, of which there are growing by thousands daily for either purchase or rental, are The Glenn Miller Story, The Rare Breed, Bend of the River, Thunder Bay, and Winchester 73. Tell me about uh, that Glenn Miller role. First, did you play that instrument? Uh, no, I I have to admit that I don't didn't play the instrument, but I was I I knew this was going to be a problem, and uh, a couple of months before the picture started, I got I got to know Joe Uckel, who was, was a very fine trombone uh, player and was in all sorts of orchestras out here for background music and so on in in the movies, and. Uh, he was delighted to to uh, sort of uh, get with me and uh, solve this problem. What are we going to do about uh, about me playing a trombone and uh, I don't play a trombone? So and all of your, it, I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. All of your movements had to be correct, even though the sound wasn't coming out right. Well, this is what we finally decided because uh, at first Joe said, "Well." Uh, I, I think you'll be able to do this all right. I, it, it's uh, it's really not a hard instrument, uh, and uh, I'll learn in. You can do this movie, and then you can be a trombone player beside. <laughs> and uh, we uh, practiced for a couple of days, and then he came to me and he said, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to quit. I, uh, and I said, what's the matter, Joe? And he, he said, well, the the sound that, that comes out of the horn when you blow it has has so disturbed me. I, I, he said, I kicked my dog last night <laughs> for the, the first time I've ever kicked my dog. And I, I yelled at my wife, and I, I, it, uh, and I can't sleep. So I'll just have to, uh, I'll just have to bow out of this. But I, I wanted to, I really wanted his help, and I just threw in something that I thought, I said, why, why don't, uh, why don't we put a plug in the mouthpiece so that it's impossible for me to make any sound and uh, go from there? And he said, I, gosh, I never thought of that. And I just, uh, let's, uh, so we went from there, and we, went, uh, we, we almost did a sort of a musical score, only the notes were positions on the slide of the trombone. Was that and, one of uh, your happier efforts, making that movie? Yes, I enjoyed it very much because I've always been a, a big band favorite. I, I, I grew up with, with the sound of Glenn Miller and Tommy Dorsey and Cab Calloway and Duke Ellington, and uh, I, I, I've never, I've never forgotten that. And I've, it's, it's such a wonderful thing to, to see that the big band uh, has, has never gone out of style and is still very popular now. Our guest is Jimmy Stewart. Five of his films are now available in home video. By the way, the Glenn Miller story uh, has been completely restored with a new stereo surrounding soundtrack, 
We'll talk about that and other things. Then you'll get the opportunity to talk with Jimmy Stewart as well. And if you'd like to talk to Jimmy, it's 703-685-2177. The other uh, titles released are the Rare Breed, Bend of the River, Thunder Bay, and Winchester 73. Back with Jimmy Stewart after these messages. Big A, that's where to start. The first letter in auto parts. We got Your Big A auto parts store's got all the parts you need to do it yourself. Big a. But when you need a professional mechanic, we can tell you about some of the best independent pros who know what it takes to keep your car going. So next time, go to Big A first. The first letter in auto parts. Big A, Big A. Purex, America's first choice in value, brings you... What are we giving away? Send us two proofs of purchase from Purex products and get free one gallon of Purex bleach. Wow! Bill, we're also giving away over $5 of valuable coupons for other great products. And what should our listeners do? Look for the Purex free bleach ad in their April 20th Sunday newspaper or check the display at their participating supermarkets for all the details. It's the great Purex giveaway where everyone's a winner. Sanka brand decaffeinated coffee. You can drink it all day long and feel good about it. Oh, my Sanka loves me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Sanka and me. We are Flintstones kids. Hey, Tommy, what do you want to be when you grow up? Probably a stuntman. How do you get to be that? Well, to start with, Mom gives us Flintstones every day. You mean her vitamins? Sure. She says they'll help us grow up and be what we want to be. So what's Mom think about you being a stuntman? Shh, she thinks I'm going to be a dentist. <laughs> Flintstones, now with NutraSweet. And growing. For listening to The Larry King Show, live from the nation's capital, here again, Larry King. It uh, should surprise no one that all of our phone lines are blinking. Uh, in this uh, special and rather wonderful appearance by Jimmy Stewart. And since he's with us for only an hour earlier, early hour of the program, we'll be going to calls a little earlier than usual. So if you're getting a ring, we'll get to you as quickly as possible. Have you heard, Jimmy, uh, the new stereo wraparound they did for the Glenn Miller story? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, when, we first, when we first made the picture in the, in the early 50s, uh, uh, there was a stereo track made, and this was when stereo was just getting started, but there was a stereo track made, and when uh, the picture was previewed down at Long Beach, uh, they used the stereo with the speakers in the theater, and it was, uh, it really was something, but uh, the studio decided that it would be too expensive in those days because the, the speaker system was pretty complicated and everything it'd be too expensive to have this in all the theaters so that they took the uh, stereo track off and it was ju just on regular sound for uh, uh well for the years that it uh, it yeah. played uh they they decided to try the stereo and this uh, re-release but nobody could find it 
<laughs> and how it, it finally worked out uh, that it was discovered in the Decca vault in Chicago. Evidently, the, the stereo track had been sold and Decca had made records of it, and it was found, and it was sort of brought up to date and, and used in, uh, in, in, in this Glenn Miller. The other releases are Bend of the River, Thunder Bay, Winchester 73, and The Rare Breed. We're going to be going to your calls because we have limited time only in this first hour with Jimmy Stewart. And we know so many Americans uh, want to get the opportunity to talk with a legend in their own time. I have two quick questions. Working with Frank Capra, what was that like? Well, that Frank is just uh, is my favorite man. Frank... Uh, gave me the real chance. I, I admire his work uh, more than I can say. I think uh, Frank had sort of qualities that were very, uh, very wonderful and, and sort of his own. Frank had great feeling about family and home, love of community, love of God, love of country, and all those values he, he was very proud of and had, and he was able to get those values up on the screen without preaching. So his pictures yeah. could get these things to the audience, but, but without preaching to them, and uh, get them, to, and he had great humor, and uh, he, he, he was the best. Yeah, you're right, and it's a quality that he gave us in films that we took with us in growing up, didn't it? I mean, he forged a value system for this country. I, th I, th I think you're right. I, th I, I believe that very firmly. Hitchcock. Hitchcock here, I'm just uh, about as near to genius as you can get. He, uh, as far as mysteries, as far as suspense is concerned, he was a, he was a vision man, sort of a, a visual man, sort of like John Ford and Hitchcock. Did you think, he, uh, uh, Jimmy, that Rear Window would work, having you in one room for the whole movie? Well, I, uh, it's, it, it really scared me when I got and read the script and so on and realized that, but uh, having Hitchcock do it, I, I, I just, uh, I, I had complete faith in him that the things would work out all right. All right, we're ready to go to your phone calls for Jimmy Stewart. This is a kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We'll get to as many calls as we can. We'll ask you to please ask one question and uh, so that we can reach as many people as possible. Remember, the Glenn Miller story is now available in home video with a new stereo wraparound from MCA. Also, the rare breed, Bend of the River, Thunder Bay, and Winchester 73. We'll go to Youngstown, Ohio for Jimmy Stewart. Hello. Mr. Stewart. Very few people can imagine what a thrill this is for me to speak with you. Um, what I'd like to know is a couple of years ago, I sent a still photo to you of uh, Elwood Dowd looking at uh, Elwood and Harvey that's mounted on the mantle from the film. And I had you autograph it. And I just wonder, do you get a lot of fan mail? Does it come directly to your home, uh, letters such as mine? And do you, do you answer the letters personally, or do you have people do that for you? No, I answer the letters personally. It doesn't come to my home. It comes to, to an, uh, an office that I have. But I, uh, I answer the, the letters personally, and I autograph the pictures uh, personally. Portsmouth, Virginia, for Jimmy Stewart. Morning, Larry. General Stewart, it is indeed a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we had a picture taken together. If you remember Strategic Air Command, the movie? 
uh, with General LeMay, and I, I was the engineer on that C-97. What's the question? Do you have a question? Just make a statement, Larry. I had the pleasure to have my picture taken with uh, General Stewart. He's a general in the Air Force, and I retired master sergeant from there. Thank you. Baltimore, Maryland. Hello. Uh, hi, Larry. Hi. Uh, it's an honor to talk with you, Mr. Mr. Stewart. I think you're one of America's greatest actors. Uh, my question for you, sir, how do you feel about the uh, colorization of your movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and the whole process in general? Thank you. Yeah, good question. Well, it's, it's my favorite picture. It's, uh, and I know it's Frank Capra's favorite picture. And my it just, favorite picture. It just has, it has something special about it that uh, it's, it's, it's my favorite. Now, there is some dispute over coloring these pictures. When we did a, a program with uh, the folks from uh, the uh, studios that have done a lot of colorization, there was some callers saying that these are vintage black and white and should not be technicolored. What are your thoughts? I, I think those are the exact words that I used when I was talking about it. I, I, don't, I don't like the idea at all. I don't know how much trouble I'm going to get in by taking this stand, but uh, I, 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 don't, I, I think black and white should be left the way it is. I think when, when you think about the time and the effort and the ability that was put into these black and white films by cameramen and and people with the lights and and to get the right shadows to get a sort of a feeling of th dimension uh, for the scene and then uh, uh, scatter the whole thing with color I I, ju I just uh, I just don't think it's right well, but Jimmy uh, yeah no that's a strong opinion and I fully understand it there are a lot of people who regard that as kind of a bastardization of what was a, an original classic no, I just uh, I, I just feel that the black and white was a part of the picture business, and that it should be left just like uh, they're they're not they're not trying to put words in the silent pictures. <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm certainly grateful for that. Uh, why why don't they why don't they leave the the black and white pictures alone? With Jimmy Stewart, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Hello. The thrill speaking to you. Um, I'd like to know who your favorite leading ladies were and what it was like working with Betty Davis uh, just here a few years ago. Yeah, well, you know, that question's a very dangerous one to, <laughs> to, to answer. But I'll just say, you, you mentioned Betty Davis. I, we'd, we'd all been, the both of us have been out here for a long time. I'd never, never worked together. And it was a great, great experience for me. She's really a wonderful actress and, and uh, a very fine person. And Donna Reed was a, a, a oh, yeah. wonderful person to work. Ginger Rogers. Uh, I, um, uh, June Allison, Arthur, you, you were perfect. June, June, June Allison was uh, uh, in Strategic Air Command with me and, and the Glenn Miller story. Uh, th there are a lot of others. I, I, uh, yeah, we're going to get you in trouble if you have to single out a few. As, as I say, I don't want to, to, to sort of narrow it down just to one, because that, that, uh, that'll get me in trouble. Duluth, Minnesota with Jimmy Stewart. Hello. Hello, Jimmy Stewart. Steve Sampson from Duluth, Minnesota. Um, got a question for you about censor censorship. Uh, as you know, there have been uh, recent efforts, I guess renewed efforts in our country, uh, censorship both records and uh, news today on the AP wire about uh, censorship of movies.
what's your personal stand about censorship? Well, I've always felt that I, I sort of, uh, in my, my first years out here in the movies in the 30s, in the early 30s, uh, there was censorship, there was the brain office, where you could do certain things you could do and certain things you couldn't do. Uh, I, at, at that time, uh, I didn't feel that censorship interfered with uh, the getting stories, getting scenes done the way the director wanted them, the way you wanted to d do them as, far as, an, uh, as an actor. Uh, I, I was never conscious of this, and uh, in a way, I think censorship uh, has has a value, and uh, I, I don't exactly see why it's uh, it's objected to by by so many people. The value being, well, the the value is it it. Uh, it, it gives a, a sort of a discipline, in a way, mm. to the, the, the making of motion pictures. And I don't see anything wrong with that. Our guest is the great Jimmy Stewart. We have a half hour to go with Jimmy. We're going to pause for news headlines and a word from your local stations. We'll get to as many callers as possible. Again, MCA has released for home video the Glenn Miller story, an Academy Award-winning motion picture, by the way, Plus the rare breed, Bend of the River, Thunder Bay, and Winchester 73. They all feature Stewart in classic roles, action, adventure, suspense, romance, and they're available for purchase or rental. Our guest is the great Jimmy Stewart. We're going to pause for news headlines, a word from your local stations. Come back with more of your calls for Jimmy. At the top of the hour, Victor Kayam, the author of Going For It, How to Succeed as an Entrepreneur. It is published by Marlowe, and you know him, of course as the man who bought the company. Don't forget Friday night from Caesars Palace in Atlantic City. The public is invited if you're in the Atlantic City, New Jersey area. Friday night, you can come watch the program with Bobby Rydell, Frankie Avalon, Fabian, and a special appearance with Chuck Mangione, trumpet in hand. We'll be right back with more calls for Jimmy Stewart. I'm Larry King, and this is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Hi, it's Loman and Barkley, and we have another KFI programming note. There it is, actually two notes. Weekday mornings are very special on The Great Entertainer. Oh, you bet your booties, because each morning from 10 to 11, Joe Puccio joins Mark Taylor for an hour's worth of predictions and your phone calls. You see, Joe's a psychic, and sometimes I think he's a mind reader. I think he's an Italian. It's an interesting hour of your phone calls and Joe's predictions. So I hope you'll join Mark Taylor and maybe find out what's in your future or spend an entertaining hour just... Eavesdropping. I don't want to know what's in my future. It's future predictions on The Great Entertainer. 10 o'clock in the morning on KFI. KFI 640. Join Steve LeBeau every weekday afternoon, 2 to 6 p.m. You can call Steve to sing for your supper, your chance to win, and sing on the air with your favorite song on Southern California's most powerful radio station, KFI. Reports of fighting in Libya, terrorist bombings in Syria. With Mutual News, I'm Mike McCluskey. 
Libyan officials continue to deny there's factional fighting in Tripoli and other cities, but reports persist that there is. Reporter Phil Jones says reporters came across gunfire near Gaddafi headquarters. Fire being put up from within the barracks because there was an overflying American reconnaissance plane. Now, how you bring down um, uh, an overflying reconnaissance plane, they fly very high, with small arms fire like that, I don't know. But that was their official uh, reason for all that shooting. Gaddafi made a TV appearance last night, but there's no indication just where he is. A series of bomb blasts damaged Syrian army buses yesterday and killed at least 27 army cadets, reportedly wounding many others. Lebanese Radio Today says the seven bombs went off over a three-hour period in coastal areas of Syria. Mike McCleskey, Mutual News. In 1981, one man declared war on the number one killer of teenagers, drinking and driving. Bob Anastas left his job as a high school hockey and football coach to start an organization called SAD. S-A-D-D. Today, because of what one man began, Students Against Driving Drunk is a nationwide force, an army of students, several million strong, all responsibly committed to eliminating their number one killer, drinking and driving. Today, it's a fact. The number of teenage deaths related to drinking and driving is dropping across the nation. This public service announcement has been brought to you by SAD, Students Against Driving Drunk, for more information on how you can join the battle against drinking and driving, write to Bob Anastas in care of SAD, Post Office Box 800, Marlboro, Massachusetts, 01752. We're winning the war, but we still need your help. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. From the nation's capital, this is the Larry King Show. Portions are played back in the Pacific time zone. Here again, a host of our program, Larry King. Our guest tonight, and a great honor to have him with us, is the legendary Jimmy Stewart. And again, five of his films are now available for the first time ever. Home video, The Glenn Miller Story, The Rare Breed, Bend of the River, Thunder Bay, and Winchester, 73. Jimmy is coming to us from our Westwood One studios in Los Angeles. I'm Larry King. Before we take our next call, just quickly, Jimmy, since I know you're a supporter of his and a very close friend of his, uh, a thought on Mr. Reagan's actions in Libya. Yeah, Larry, I, uh, I, I believe he was right in doing it. I, uh, I, I think it was the right thing to do, and I support him 100%. Onward to Conway, Arkansas, for Jimmy Stewart. Hello. Uh, Mr. Stewart, I do appreciate your work very much, like many other Americans. And getting back to Frank Capra, how did you get about uh, get started with Frank Capra? And how many Capra movies did you make? How many? I I started with uh, a movie uh, in '36, I think. Uh, you can't take it with you. Then in '37 or eight, I, uh, I did Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And then uh, the first picture I did after the war uh, was uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Did Frank ask for you, or were you both contracted to the same studio? What brought you together? No, as a matter of fact, I was a contract player at MGM. And uh, when I came out here in 1945, uh, 
so that I was uh, I was loaned from MGM to Columbia, where uh, where Frank was uh, under contract, and Frank worked uh, until uh, after the war. Did you hit it off right away? Right away, right okay. away. It, I'd uh, uh, I'd seen a lot of his pictures before, you know. It, and uh, I, I was a big Capra fan before I even met him, and then uh, to meet him and to have him uh, have him direct a picture I was in, it was it was a real wonderful experience. With Jimmy Stewart, Washington D.C. Hello. Hello, Jimmy. I was wondering if you could tell me how it was, what it was like working with uh, Catherine uh, Hepburn, and maybe any antidotes you might be able to tell us about making the Philadelphia story. Ah, yes, the Philadelphia story. Well, this was a wonderful experience. I mean, uh, there were an awful lot of, <laughs> awful lot of uh, people in there, especially Catherine Hepburn, who was just a great, uh, uh, a great woman. I. I, I don't know whether you saw her on television, uh, I, I think it was just last week, and uh, she still just uh, just does such a wonderful job. She knows the business, she knows her craft, and uh, is, a, is a very wonderful person. Amarillo, Texas, for Jimmy Stewart. Hello. Jimmy? Jimmy? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, my dad is a big fan of yours. He's fixing to turn 70 years old. I've got my tape recorder running, and I sure would appreciate it if you could wish him a happy birthday. His name's Raymond. Okay, well, Jimmy. I, I, I certainly do wish him a happy birthday, and every every one of the birthdays he has from here on out. <laughs> With Washington, D.C. on the line, Jimmy Stewart. Hello. Hello, Mr. Stewart. I just uh, had a comment, really, several months ago. I was driving around in a, in a foreign city, and... Uh, uh, on the radio dial heard, I guess, a television broadcast of the film Harvey, and uh, my wife and I were absolutely spellbound by your voice. Even though it apparently was a soundtrack of a movie, uh, your voice was so compelling in that, in that character of Elwood Dowd, and I just wondered if you'd ever worked uh, on the radio, because it, it really made the show live, even though it was obviously for a visual medium, and I just wanted you to know how, what an amazing experience that was for us. Yeah, did you well, do, a, you, you did a lot of Lux radio theaters and stuff, didn't you? Oh, yes. I, I, I used to love radio, and I still do. I, I, but uh, in those days, uh, radio was so important, and, and uh, the, the movies uh, used, the, for instance, Lux radio theater, uh, lots of times they would, they would uh, dramatize uh, an upcoming movie on Lux radio theater, just to sort of... Uh, uh, like almost doing a preview of the movie. Oh, I, I uh, and I've done a, an awful lot of, awful lot of radio. I had a radio series uh, that turned into the Six Shooter, uh, a, the uh, television series. But I, I, I'm a, I'm a great booster of radio. Is it uh, a different kind of acting when you only have the voice to use? I, d I don't think so. I don't think so very much. Uh, there, there are. Uh, I remember the. Uh, uh, as I say, they used to in the Lux Radio Theater. They used to use uh, the stories of pictures that were just coming out, and use it as sort of a, 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 a build-up for the picture uh, when it uh, when it's released. Uh, but some pictures, the, I know this uh, picture Winchester 73 that is one of these 
was it coming out in home video, they sent that over to the uh, to the uh, Lux Radio people, and they uh, sent back and they said, well, we, we, we can't use this because nobody says anything. <laughs> and uh, when you come right down to it, this is true in Westerns. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's that's uh, one of the things I like about them and everything. No, no, you know, it's visual, it's action, no, and nobody says very much. With Jimmy Stewart, Carney, Nebraska. Hello. Hello. Evening, Mr. Stewart. Hi. Hi. I was wondering, is it true that when you joined the Army Air Corps, you did not meet the exact weight requirements, but persuaded the recruitment officer to let you join? Well, that's pretty much what I, 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 I didn't, uh, you know, those weight requirements that you have, and it's so much, you're, you're so tall, you have to weigh so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, they, they uh, said that I didn't uh, make those, and, and there was some uh, arguments about it and everything, but I, I just say, why, uh, why, why don't you just let me go ahead and uh, register me as a, as a, a, a draftee, and uh, I, uh, what I'll do for the rest of my time in the Army, I just won't get weighed. And they say, well, that's a fine idea, so that's what we did. <laughs> Our guest is Jimmy Stewart, now in home video, the Glenn Miller story, the rare breed, Bend of the River, Thunder Bay, and Winchester 73. This is the Larry King Show, back after these messages. Moving? First you sell your house, buy a new one, then call a mover, right? Wrong. Think backwards. <laughs> Call Allied Van Lines first and earn hundreds of dollars. Just buy or sell your home using the More Real Estate Referral Network. Then move with Allied and you can earn $100 for every $10,000 on the sale price of your old home, your new home, or both. It pays to think backwards. For more information, call your Allied agent. This week, the U.S. government is being taken to the woodshed. In Newsweek... And the man who's holding the paddle is David Stockman, economic wizard of the Reagan Revolution. Beginning this week, read Newsweek's exclusive two-part excerpt from David Stockman's new book, The Triumph of Politics, Why the Reagan Revolution Failed. This week in Newsweek, you'll sit in the seat of fiscal power and learn why things didn't work out. What are the consequences to you as a taxpayer? This week in Newsweek, find out why it happened and what it means. KFI 640, this is the Larry King Show. Import cars, domestic cars, sport cars, family cars, convertibles, coupes, small cars, impressive luxury sedans, four-cylinder cars, and powerful V8s. Front-wheel drive cars and rear-wheel drive cars. Import trucks and domestic trucks. Work trucks and trucks for play. Two-wheel drive trucks and four-by-fours. Recreational vehicles that can take you to town in style and recreational vehicles that can take you to the backcountry with confidence. All this in one place and at the lowest prices, and with up to $1,000 cash back to you on selected models. If this all sounds too good to be true, get right on over to the Dodge Boys at Glendora Dodge, and you'll be convinced. Glendora Dodge. Make the best deal you can on the car or truck you want, and get up to $1,000 cash back direct from the factory on selected models. But hurry, this is a limited offer. Glendora Dodge, four blocks north of the 210 freeway at Grand Avenue, then east on Alosta, two blocks to 121. East Alasta, Glendora. Uh, uh, this is Rich Little as Jimmy Stewart. Uh, call Larry now at 703-685-2177. That's 703-685-2177. And, and let the phone keep ringing, and, and we'll pick it up when you're next. It, it, 
It is, isn't that right, Harvey? Jimmy, is that the sincerest form of flattery? No, yeah, that's very, very good. <laughs> that, that's very good. And uh, I uh, have, have you been in touch with Rich Little about this? Yes, Rich. Rich is with us all the time. He does you. All, he does you pretty good, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> with Jimmy Stewart, Monterey, California. Hello. Uh, yes, sir, Mr. King. Good evening. Uh, Hi. Thank you very much, Mr. Stewart. It's a great honor to speak to you. Um, I just. I don't mean to embarrass you, but I just wanted to ask how you feel about um, cinema heroes. Uh, you, you certainly are an American institution. You provide a lot of people with a, a pretty clear role model. And uh, what do you think uh, the comparison is between the, uh, your, your, well, the, the actors of, uh, of the past uh, 40 years or so and uh, current uh, cinema stars and ha how you think that has an effect on them? Yeah, the, our, our movie heroes change, Jimmy? Well, I think probably, I, I just, just as the whole, the, the whole business, the whole way of telling stories, the whole, whole system of movie making has, has changed. But I, I, uh, I, I think uh, the whole business uh, is, is made up of trends. There are trends when there is this type of story. Everybody was... I've uh, been talking about Jimmy Cagney and his, the wonderful work he did over the years. Well, the trends with, with Jim, Jimmy Cagney did everything from, uh, uh, from the uh, uh, prison pictures that he did and the gang pictures that he did and uh, uh, all, all the way up to Yankee Doodle, uh, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Uh, th this, this I, I think is, is, is sort of one of the qualities uh, that movies have. They, they change, they, they go from one thing to another, and uh, it, it's, I, I think it's very possible that the trend would get back uh, in a different way than, uh, the, than the characters we have now, and maybe go back a lot to the characters that were uh, that were famous and and very popular f 40 years ago that wouldn't be bad with jimmy stewart tarrington connecticut hello a good afternoon good morning excuse me larry and uh, truly an honor for myself to speak with you mr stewart i was uh, talking with some friends and couldn't find out the name of one of my favorite films of yours and I'll say it because it's an absolute favorite of mine, and I hope it's soon to be released on video, is The Cheyenne Social Club. It's one of my most favorite comedies. And before I close, I'd like to ask your uh, remembrances of working on It's a Wonderful Life with one of my favorite character actors next to yourself, Henry Travers, who played uh, Clarence Oddbody III. Well, that, uh, he's certainly one of my favorites. I, I, I just... Uh, I think he was a wonderful actor, and he couldn't have been cast better than that angel, Clarence, who hadn't won his wings yet. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll never forget him. We go to Chicopee, Massachusetts. Hello. Hello. I just wondered, um, it's not really a question, it is in a way, um, does uh, Jimmy remember making the movie out at Westover Air Force Base? Uh, yes. Yes, I think that was uh, Cowboy 5-7, wasn't it? 57. Well, my husband drove the bus when you made that movie, and this is, I've been... I For him. <coughs> Go and say hello to him. Thank you. That was nice. Bloomington, Minnesota. Hello. 
Um, yes, this is a big thrill for me to talk to you. Um, I was wondering if you thought of, what you thought of the differences between the so-called golden age of movies as compared to more recent ones? I think Jimmy already explained that, that it's more trends than anything else. You know, I think, I, I think uh, I'll go back to, uh, to, to the trend idea. I, I, I just think the, the picture, picture business has such, uh, has, has such an enormous areas that it can, that it can do uh, that uh, I, I, I think over the years it keeps picking up more ideas, it keep, keeps picking up more areas to do stories about. I think that's one of the one of the wonderful things about the business. What do you think of the work of uh, Robert De Niro? Have you seen his films? Uh, yes, yeah, uh, 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 just excellent. With Jimmy Stewart, Detroit. Hello, uh, Mr. Stewart. It's indeed a pleasure speaking to you. Uh, I was wondering what you what are some of your favorite recent movies. And also, would you consider doing a film with someone like Steven Spielberg? I think it'd be great if you could do something with one of the younger, uh, new breed directors of today. Would you like to work with Steven? I certainly would. I, I, I really have tremendous admiration for Steven Spielberg. And uh, I certainly would like to work with him. I think he's done some wonderful work and made a tremendous contribution to the picture business. He's a throwback to a lot of the directors you work with, isn't he? Yes, yes. Tell the story so. first. Very much so, yeah. and and a, a a visual man. He he, you know, he 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 gets that story up there not only with words but visually, which is, which is, I I think is so important in the movies. Meriden, Connecticut. Hello. Hello, Larry. Greatest show ever. Mr. Stewart. Yeah. This is a serious thrill for me. I want <laughs> you to know that you are by far my biggest hero as far as movies go. Um, I have a few questions for you. I'm only going to allow one, sir, because we've got a ton of calls and limited okay, time. Okay, my most important question then is, um, you've been rumored to make a few statements about um, theatrical training in schools, uh, your opinions. I'd like a little bit of background about your training and uh, your opinion of schools. I'll hang up and, and let you answer. All right, drama schools, Jimmy. Drama schools, I... I, 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 it's all right if it doesn't interfere with your regular education, and by that I mean reading, writing, and arithmetic, and getting your mind to work on things like that and history and everything. I don't think, I, I've had people come up to me and say, I know I'm a great actor and I want to get right to it and I don't have time to go to school and everything and I want to get right into the acting, but I think the first thing you want to do is get into school and learn the, what schools are supposed to do. And that's teach you and get your mind working. And then if you still have acting in mind, if you still have acting in mind, then start a, a little drama school is all right, but actual experience in stock companies, they're all over the country, and get theatrical experience, experience on the stage first. In fact, I guess you couldn't be a very good actor if you didn't pretty much know what was going on around you. Well, it, it, no, that's, that's true. And I, that's why I think you, I think you should, should start out, you should start out with fundamentals. And as I say, fundamentals and, and getting your mind to working. 
Right back with our remaining moments with the great Jimmy Stewart after this message. You can now start an investment that earns high interest with a Zions First National Bank money market account just by picking up your phone. Get the pencil ready for this unique financial opportunity. With a Zions money market account, your savings can earn high interest equal to the 90-day treasury bill rate. The minimum deposit is only $1,000, and your account is federally insured by the FDIC. You can also write up to three checks a month with no service charge and... You can apply for a Visa debit credit without monthly or annual fees. And you'll feel secure because Zions Bank in Salt Lake City has a reputation for over 100 years of stability and service with no foreign loans and over $2 billion in assets. Why wait any longer? Pick up your telephone and call now. 1-800-453-8507. Operators are standing by. We'll send you free information, no obligation, about how you can open your Zions First National Bank money market account and apply for your free visa. 1-800-453-8507. You're listening to The Larry King Show, live from the nation's capital. Here again, Larry King. With Jimmy Stewart. Remember the Glenn Miller story? Bend of the River, The Rare Breed, Thunder Bay, and Winchester 73, all now available through MCA in home video. Port Washington, New York. Hello. Yes, good evening, Mr. Stewart. This is a great honor to speak with you. Really, I'm a big fan of yours. You've given myself, my family, and my friends many hours of pleasure. just want to ask you a quick question. Uh, whatever happened, do you know, to the children that were your children and It's a Wonderful Life? Are they still living, and have you kept in touch with them at all? You know, I... I've often thought about that myself, and I've asked Frank Capra several times, and he, really, they just sort of, you know, kids grow up very fast, and uh, I, I really, I really don't know about any of them. Jimmy, how, how old are you now? Uh, I'm going to be 78 in about 10 minutes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> almost. <laughs> Port Huron, Michigan, hello. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Stewart. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Um, I just want you to know that over many, many years, you have been my very favorite, I think, actor. You portray um, a lifestyle that I approve of and that I admire. And um, many years ago, I think I saw you in a press-off Broadway production of Harvey. Is that correct? Did you go back and do Harvey on Broadway? Yes. Yes, I was, uh, actually, I played it uh, twice in different times uh, on, on Broadway. I tell you, right after the, I think it was in 46, I, uh, Frank Fay, of course, was the originator of the, yeah. the uh, Elwood in, in the play, but he uh, wanted to take a vacation and, uh, uh, the producer asked me to come back and do it, and I, I did it for about five weeks, I think. And uh, Frank, sort of that, that vacation he had, he sort of liked it. So uh, the next year, he said he liked another vacation, and I went back and did it again. <laughs> then I did it uh, later on with, with Helen Hayes. Uh, at the, and I did, it in, I, I did it for six months in London. Petaskey, Michigan, hello. Hello, Mr. Stewart. I know everybody else has said it, but you're definitely one of the greatest. Uh, I recall in uh, a movie, Pot of Gold, uh, there was some fancy harmonica playing. I was just curious if you actually played the harmonica and if you play any other instruments. Uh, 
frankly, they took all the all the sound out of my harmonica. I just, uh, <laughs> and I had a very good harmonica player that was right behind me, so I I knew when to take I knew when to take my breath and so on. Jimmy, were uh, you ever were you ever cast as a villain? Well, way back in a in one of the uh, a, a picture called After the Thin Man. Uh, I was the villain, and I think at the end they almost caught me, but I jumped out the window and killed myself. <laughs> I, 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 it was, I, that, that's quite a while ago. Cross Plains, Wisconsin. Hello. Hello, Larry. Hi. Hello, James. Hi. I uh, just wanted to tell you how much I appreciated your trip to Vietnam in 1969. I came in from flying that day, walked into our little 2 by 4 NCO club, and our advisory group in Lansun province, and there were you and your wife, and they're having a cold beer. Wonderful. I, I, I remember that trip very much, and we, uh, it, it, was, it was a great experience for us. I on a stool next year and shook your hand and had a cold one, and very nice. You know, usually when someone comes down, uh, there's 10,000 other people all trying to crowd into one place. Well, this was a great experience for my wife and I. I'd say it really, and as a matter of fact, it was, uh, we, we saw our son, uh, who was up in the north part of uh, South Vietnam, and uh, we, it was, turned out to be the last time we saw him because he was killed in action. Mm. Uh, seeing you there, and don't think I've ever missed one of your movies anywhere. Thank you very much. Last call for Jimmy Stewart, Alexandria, Virginia. Hello. Good evening, Mr. Stewart. Uh, I'd like to pay a definite compliment to you for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. I think that's one of the all-time best movies ever. I understand when the movie came out that there was a little bit of controversy in Washington about it. Uh, I'd like to find out if that was true and what your thoughts are about uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yeah, well, first there was some controversy. Uh, I, I was making a picture so I couldn't see uh, the picture uh, when it opened in Washington, but it, it opened in Constitution Hall, and Frank Capra was there with his wife, and there were several se senators there, and uh, the the movie, the film broke about a movie been going about 20 minutes, and the film broke, so Frank went back to the projection room, and uh, when he got the film back going again, he came back, uh, about half the senators had left. Uh, so there, there was quite a quite a bit of uh, talk about it, and uh, I, as I understand it, it came up on the on the floor of the Senate, and somebody was uh, was picked out, and they said, well, "All right, you go and see this whole film and uh, report to the Senate about about it." And uh, two days later, they called on the guy, and uh, he said, "Well." Uh, I haven't seen it yet because I, every time I've gone down to the theater, I can't get in because of the crowds. <laughs> Jimmy, this has been a great honor. I, I wish you uh, continued in many more years uh, of anything you wish yourself. Larry, this has been a great experience for me, and I think you have the wonderful show here, and I, I, I've enjoyed every minute of it. Jimmy, thank you so much. Jimmy Stewart, and you can now see the Glenn Miller story, The Rare Breed, Bend of the River, Thunder Bay, and Winchester 73 at home on home video from MCA. We're going to pause for uh, news on the hour, a word from your local stations, then we'll come back with an extraordinary guy, Victor Kayam, his book, which has received 
tremendous praise. Going for it, how to succeed as an entrepreneur. Mr. Kayam, the man who bought the company. It is published by Morrow. We hope you enjoyed this hour with uh, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, this is one of, the, one of those pleasures in this business when we can get a chance to have someone like that aboard and let, uh, oh, tonight, 24 or 25 Americans get the opportunity to express some gratitude for him. I like the caller who said, thank you for so many years of pleasure, because Mr. Stewart has certainly provided us with that. We talked with Jimmy by satellite from our Westwood One studios in Los Angeles. This is the Larry King Show in Washington. News is next, a word from your local stations, and we'll be back with Victor Kayyem. Friday night live from Caesars in Atlantic City. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. <laughs> Hello, this is Steve LeBeau on KFI, and you know this... Alt-Tab, Chesterfield, Alt-Tab, 102, Alt-Tab, Larry King, Alt-Tab, 10, Alt-Tab, Chesterfield, Supper Club, Alt-F4, Items View, Alt-Tab, 10, Alt-Tab, Sound Forge Pro 11.